For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcast. Make the most of it and whatever you do as the warning. I'm constantly being hassled and harassed into it. Make sure you got sunscreen, particularly on the old face and on the back of the ears too. The back of the ear and the neck and the arms and inside your knees. <laughs> So this morning, the red tops have it. Ireland turning up the heat, 30 degrees, they're saying. I guess up in the Midlands would be particularly hot. But certainly over the weekend, at the back end of last week, Cork got the best of the weather. We got the highest temperatures. So blazing weather returns, back burners of front pager, making the sun to, or the inside pages, I should say, heat wave to last right across the week and into next weekend. The heat is on. Who could resist that? Maybe we could have a spin of old Glenn Frey's song, The Heat Is On, at some stage this morning. So a week-long heat wave uh, is due. They're saying tomorrow... Wake up, please. It's here. And it was here at the weekend, too, an Irish heat wave. Um, they're talking about the issues uh, around temperatures that are too hot for the body, and they call it heat stress. Heat stress is a story from the Independent today. Our temperatures will be as hot or hotter in the south of France or Spain or the south of Italy or the Algarve. Uh, in other news this morning, well, you have to praise the effort. God, they really and truly tried. And it came down to a point in the end when Kilkenny uh, bait Cork by a point at Croke Park. Uh, and it certainly wasn't down wasn't uh, down to a lack of trying by the Cork Camogie team. They were incredible and just one point shy. So that's the way it goes. That dominates many of the sports pages this morning. There's another very sad sports-related story and that's lad, the lad Dylan Quirk who died on the pitch. He collapsed on the pitch, became ill just before halftime in a club game in County Tipperary and he passed away and uh, the family are saying their farewells to the tragic hurler. Much loved by so many people uh, to die at 24. It's just absolutely tragic. Um, and it's a story that makes many of the papers today where they talk of family's farewell to tragic hurler Dylan. In, in other news, um, you know, you might be in the middle of a recession right across Europe or indeed um, all over the world. I don't know. The only thing I can see that's doing really well these days seems to be the Russian ruble, but I can't make any sense out of that. But certainly as we head into the winter, War, spiralling fuel prices, fears of a recession. One thing it's done absolutely nothing to put the brakes on is the sale of one million plus houses. So those that have and those that haven't. And the major rises are being reported, not necessarily in Dublin in one million plus houses, but in Cork, in Limerick, in Tipperary, in Clare and in Donegal. That's a front page of this morning's Zindo, while by contrast then, uh, Sinn Féin are calling for a ban on evicting renters. It's uh, a story that makes the front page of the Examiner this morning because there's been a, a doubling, a doubling now, in the amount of notices to quit given to tenants. And that's why there's been a call now for a fresh ban on evictions uh, for a number of uh, renters being forced out of their homes as their landlords have just literally decided to get out of the market and to sell up and get out. So on top of all of that then, in spite of the beautiful weather ahead and the high temperatures, um, it'd be great now to have solar panels these days, particularly, you know, it would be fantastic. Imagine if you had a solar panel uh, where you had some kind of a battery attached to it. I mean, imagine you can do that. I don't know, can you retrofit solar panels? I've got two solar panels on the roof. But it would be a great thing if, if, for instance, you could plug it in so you were generating your own power. And you could go, would it be from DC to AC? So you could literally plug in all your equipment and you're running it off your solar panel? I don't know how effective it would be in the winter, but millions are at risk now of power cuts this winter, according to the Mail this morning. And um, we are the worst prepared in Europe 
four power cuts, they're saying, that undoubtedly could be coming down the track. Health is never far from the papers and the Echo's front page today is the 3,000 children in Cork and Kerry who are on waiting lists for just an initial contact with regards to children with disabilities on Lisa. They can't even access getting into the service, never mind uh, being dealt with when they do get uh, some kind of uh, an appointment. And we have no Parkinson's care nurses in Cork, according to the ECHO as well. On top of all of that, we need to live with uh, uh, the after effects of uh, COVID-19 uh, and the changes to lifestyle or sickness or indeed long COVID, which really and truly, firstly, I think you can fairly say at this stage that there have been health issues regarding the vaccinations for people. God knows I spoke to enough people on air who were fine before it and had all sorts of health issues after the vaccination. And then for those who had COVID, those still suffering with long COVID, and I was only talking about a week, maybe 10 days ago with the girl who spent something in the region of 19 or 20 hours in bed, just gets up for a couple of hours in the afternoon, has absolutely zero energy. Always fine before COVID. But they are talking about issues that maybe be better for your mental and physical health. And one is getting out for a walk. I love the stories that make both the UK Times and the Mail this morning where they say a two-minute walk after a meal helps to fight all sorts of different ailments, including diabetes. But one other thing that can help an ailment or maybe stop you from getting sick or getting heavy or whatever the word you want to use with regards to putting on weight. And that is... Don't be gobbling up all of these bargains and supermarkets, they're saying, because an awful lot of the time, the two for ones or the half prices, it's on the bad stuff, the sugary stuff. And they're saying that get back to the old days of going to the shop with a list and stick rigidly to the list. Avoid the center aisles of Lidl and Aldi, I suppose. (laughs) That was, is it just me? Like, I'm the magnet to the center aisles. never need any of the stuff there. I'm getting slightly better. I'm, I'm kind of walking past a lot of the gardening stuff. I think probably because I bought it all before. But anyway, consumers should stick to a shopping list in supermarkets. Don't get caught out by the special offers. that are They're not bargains at all. They may appear to be, but they're not. So stick to the way it used to be generations ago. Stick to a shopping list. In fact, I'll be coming back to generational comparisons a little later on because apparently they are interviewing many parents of children now And the parents of the children now are comparing their own childhood and their own parents. Not too kindly, I have to say. I think it's a really bad bit of form where they're saying that they're better parents than their parents were to them. But I have the research to back it up, so that's that's later on. Would you you love this in Cork? Apparently there's a chain of restaurants called Karen's Diner. Anybody listening to me now that's ever been in one, one of them is opening in in Dublin. And apparently its, um, its calling card is that it's famous for its rude staff an intentionally atrocious service. Apparently people who want to go um, and get really bad service, pay for the privilege and then be insulted, love going to Karen's Diner. So apparently they're opening a branch of it in Dublin. They call it a novelty restaurant, an interactive dining experience. I think that would be fun, wouldn't it? I remember going to the Faulty Towers night in the in the uh, Metropole Hotel months back where you were fed by the cast of, well, there were actors playing the parts of Basil and his wife and Manuel and what have you. It was great, great fun. So it's probably up there like that, but an awful lot worse. I mean, I can't even repeat some of the stuff they have in the papers today, like um, except two of them that they do make that possibly uh, might get away with. One was calling a teenage girl a tart. I mean, you just can't be doing that. And another one was asking a girl if she was on OnlyFans in front of her father. That's probably a little bit over the top. And then over the top, in the UK, they have done research links 
who make the spray deodorants, and they've literally gone around the UK trying to find the uh, whiffiest blokes, um, the guys who don't use deodorant. And apparently, it's men in Birmingham, followed by men in Nottingham, Manchester, Glasgow, London, and so on and so forth. I wonder if you were to pick a county in Ireland where men use the least amount of deodorant, what county would it be? Text 0868104106. But apparently nearly half of the men in Birmingham, where they film Peaky Blinders, said they hate spraying their armpits. They don't even use roll-on instead of the spray. They just prefer uh, to, I suppose, au naturel. The natural odour, they say, is more attractive. One Phil apparently in the research with the links said, so, so long as you have a shower every day and keep clean, there's no point in wasting good money on all that smelly stuff. You see some of the cans now. They tell you 48-hour protection. Like that you get two days and nights out of one spray. Really? And finally, um, there is a story I'm making the mail today of... Um, you'll know Line of Duty. I think it's gone now. I don't know if they're ever going to bring it back. But Aidan Dunbar was the real star of it. And a lot of the time he was the star because he had these fabulous sayings. And one of them, of course, was to do with Jesus, Mary... And don't forget the wee donkey. Uh, do you think I just came down the lagging in a bubble? It was another one. There were many of them. Uh, there's a lovely mail article today saying that he made that up on set. It wasn't written in a script or anything. It just came out. Uh, the wee donkey line. Um, they even made mugs, T-shirts and even Christmas cards to the line of the wee Aidan uh, Dunbar's The Wee Donkey. He says in the mail, he gets people shouting at him, How's the wee donkey? as he walks down the street after his famous ad-lib online. Um, and it just fondly reminds me of the late, great Carol O'Sullivan because I used to often meet her. And the last time I actually met her um, was down in Douglas Court Shopping Centre um, and sadly she passed away some months later. But I, I remember she said to me, because she was surprised to see me, she said, Oh my God, Jesus, Mary and Joseph and don't forget the wee donkey. Except that Cara said, the little donkey. So I don't know whether she was saying it before Aidan Dunbar was saying it or that Cara heard it on Line of Duty and picked up on it. But it was a lovely reminder reminder of a great Cork woman uh, when I read the article this morning. Anyway, text 0868104106. Cork's number one talk show, The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. All right, busy morning. So without hogging at all, I'm going to get straight to our phone lines from donkeys, if you don't mind, to dogs. Um, and I read uh, of a horrible attack that led to the brutal killing of a lovely family pet yesterday that was just out for a walk with Laura, um, whose daughter Leah posted it up online and we picked up on it. And I'm happy to say, although the circumstances are sad, that Laura joins me by phone. Laura, good morning. Hi, hi, Neil. I can tell just by the sound of your voice that you're still very upset. Yeah, I have. I know. I'm very nervous now, so... Listen, we'll just walk through it together because what happened, of course was an absolute disgrace that a dog would be out, not muzzled, not on a lead. What happened? Well, I was after starting a new job and um, I I was child-minding, so there was a little girl in a buggy with me also that when I was out walking. So I decided to take the child and take Charlie out for a little walk. And um, my daughter Leah was at work and we're not, like, I don't like leaving Charlie in the house No, it's lovely long. when the weather is good go dog. out for a walk yeah, yeah, yeah. So we went out for a walk and next thing I was, we turned back and I could hear this noise coming from behind and I didn't know what it was So she just locked onto Charlie 
It was a, a greyhound and I used to scream and scream for help. And I was on FaceTime to Leah at the time. So she would have heard all that and saw it. And um, he just wouldn't let go of the dog at all. Just just caught on to him. Where? Neck? Yeah, well, when I ended up bringing him to the vet, they got him straight into the heart. So he died instantly through his ribs. But I I was screaming for help, but um, I saw a car inside my house, so I tried my best to pull Charlie up. But the dog kept coming with him, and I was just trying my best to get to the door. And when I got to the lady's door, then he was screaming, and I was asking her for help. She couldn't, she thought she didn't realise what was going on at the other side. And she was trying to tell me, go away, go away. But I said, I need your help. There's a, a dog attacking my dog. I need your help. So she eventually opened it. She got an awful fright as well. So, so she actually got the greyhound off Charlie. What's the, what kind, of a, what kind of a dog is little Charlie? A Bichon Freeze. Small little dog. Small, tiny little fellow dog. He's the centre of our tent, our centre of everything in this house. He was ruined. I'm looking at his little face here now in front of me. He's only five. But this, this greyhound just, he had no hope of him. Neil, none, none. So. There was literally yeah. no getting him off, Charlie. No, there wasn't. No, yeah. no, no. Absolutely and not. And who okay. was with the greyhound? I mean. Nobody. The greyhound just came upon us, but. Previous, I threw a rock at the trying to get the greyhound off Charlie, but it was no good. But um, then I know the day before we went out walking, I had uh, the other two kids with me. So there was three kids and Charlie, and we saw the three greyhounds. But the woman, the woman has three, but they were on the lead that day. She was taking them out for a walk, and they weren't muzzled. Was the dog that killed Charlie on the lead that day previous? No. No. Wasn't no. there, no? No. Okay. No. Yeah. No. So he just just scratched on. And did Leah hear all of this on the phone? Yeah. Yeah. So she was probably screaming yeah. as well. Yeah, she she didn't know what was going on. I I it's just flashback every time I'm closing my eyes, I'm thinking of I feel desperate guilt. But they should have just left him at home where he was safe, you know. But sure, you were walking, Charlie, on a lead, oh. on a beautiful day, oh. doing everything yeah. right. You can't be, you can't be blaming yourself for this. So you're not responsible. There's no guilt here. Oh, I do. I, mean, I feel guilty because I, I was even thinking driving over. Will I turn around and I just leave my home for a little while? He'd be all right. But your dogs have to get out. They have to exercise, Laura. They have to get the fresh air. You did all the right things. You feel responsible, of course, and you're devastated because of what happened. My girls are mad about them. They're so heartbroken. What was it like? I mean, who went to the vet then? The lady that I knocked on the door. I went to the vet with her. She brought me. But when when I picked him up anyway inside her house, his head flopped and I knew he was like he was gone because I had to drag him up to her door with the greyhound latched onto him. Anyway, so I knew I just it was just horrific. I haven't stopped crying since Thursday. Well I understand. I I I I don't feel the pain you're feeling clearly, who, who oh. would accept you, but I, I kinda understand because Leah was saying that 
and it's true of everyone, our world revolves around our dog. Simple as that. Simple as that. He had his little pillow on the windowsill and he slept in the bed every night. Yeah. Yeah. We have more photographs up on our phones of our dog. Maybe others do with cats, I don't know, but than we do of our sons and daughters and husbands and yeah. wives and dads and yeah. moms. We do. Yeah. But my, my older daughter then, um, she was in Portugal because my brother was getting married on the Friday. This happened on Thursday. So when she heard that, she just flew home. She came in at two o'clock in the morning. So we had brought Charlie home from the vet. And um, we had him with his little blanket in his bed. And Did they you? just slept next to him. slept next to him for the night. Yeah. Oh, stop. That's heartbreaking. I, I know. But you know what? I, I, my mother was talking to someone and she was saying, just as he, he was talking to her about um, training greyhounds. He trains them and um, they said, look, if the dog wasn't there, that it would have been the child he would have latched onto. So, I suppose... Well, you, you, I don't Whatever know. Whatever way they're trained, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. They're trained to kill. They shouldn't. Absolutely. Like, it's disgusting. This, this greyhound, Leo was, Yeah, I know, I know. Um, and will you, will you, will you have Charlie cremated or what will you do? I will. I'll be brought him to the Sunbeam Friday morning. Um, so he'll be, sun, he'll be, um, yeah. cremated. Yeah. And, uh, I went to the guards as well. So I, and then obviously I'd only started the job, so I'm out of the job now. And then I'm out of my dog gone. So I gained nothing by bringing him over there. Why are you, you know? out of a job? I couldn't go back there now, Neil. I have to. No, I just couldn't. No, it's too heartbreaking to me. And no, you know something. I, I was talking a couple of weeks back on air about. Um, I can't remember who was proposing it, but they were proposing that there should be some, that leave should be given to people whose family pet dies. And I think they are talking about their dog, that they should be giving morning leave a few days off. It, it can oh. be that devastating. It really can be that devastating to anybody. I haven't. I, 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 I'm going to end up having to go to the doctor anyway, I think, today. I'm actually, I just can't cope with it. I think you're all. traumatized, actually, from the attack. I am. You are. Very much. Yeah, you are, yeah. Very much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I did ring um, the woman actually that had the dog she had the dog was rescued out to her you see she fostered it but um, the dog was only in her care for about two or three days and she rang me the next morning from the um, the dog care from the rescue centre but the woman rang me and I, she was all apologetic obviously but you know I said look you're apologetic you don't, don't, don't mean anything to me how and did the I dog get out, did she say? Did you ask? She said the gate was left open. Yeah. Um, Why was it left open? Like She's supposed to be taking this dog and looking after it, making sure it doesn't get out, because on the edge of where Leah was looking up from the centre that he came from, it said that he has a high drive for, for prey, for cats and small dogs. So why was he in a house in an area where there's kids and little animals going around. It says um, Pepper would be happy to be an only dog and has slept downstairs in his foster home on his own with no problems. He's high prey. He has high prey drive. He does react to cats and small dogs. 
You will need a home without neighbouring small fluffies. What that means is he will need a home that's not anywhere around small dogs. Um, He's an ex-racing greyhound, confident young greyhound, full of character, walks on a lead, really enjoys getting as much fussing as he can from humans around him. He likes to be the centre of attention. Uh, Not keen on sharing his space with other male dogs. Um, Does try Mm. to be the boss if he can get away with it. Clever and opportunistic. There are lots of warning signs here about this dog. There is, yeah, absolutely. Why, why, why was it there? Why was it in that, in the care of that woman? It just shouldn't. So was this was this dog, this greyhound, ex ex racing greyhound, in a housing estate? No, it wasn't a housing estate. It's um, it was. It's like a built small little bit of a built up area. It's in off the in off the road. In like that. It, to look at it, you think it was a wooded area. Okay. There are loads of there. Okay. Leah was very critical, though. Uh, all thanks, Leah said, to the careless behaviour of this rescue centre for giving this monster to this woman. Yeah. Uh, who cannot be bothered to close her gate. Now, that can happen to anyone. God knows we've all done that. The yeah. gate's not closed. Who left the gate open? Who left the immersion on? You know the way it is. I know. Um, I know. But like, I made contact with the rescue centre. Um, <clears throat> and I asked her, I want want the dog to be put down anyway. Do you? Yeah, I do. Because he can't keep, like, if you get another opportunity, he, it could be a child, like the child I had. It could be a child the next time. Like, I know I've lost Charlie. We've lost Charlie, but at least, you know, the baby is still intact. It could have been a lot worse for me, like, yeah. you know, I know to poor Charlie's gone and like he, he, I don't know, he'll never be gone from our heart anyway, but we're all about it. Um, we're in touch with the rescue centre involved, uh, and as soon as we mm-hmm. can make contact with them, we'll ask them as to whether or not they'll come on and chat about how they pick what dog goes where and mm-hmm. how they will react to the news that the dog they gave to the family just mauled and killed your dog. Uh, and, and also the reasons why an ex-racing greyhound... Um, which is a sporting dog. It's trained in that way. Would, know, would, he, would, would, be in a, would be in a family setting at all. It's all for money, Neil. Do you know? Like that dog now was trained to kill. And unfortunately, it was my dog that he killed. Was it trained to kill or trained to run? Oh, but sure, what are they running after? I know what you mean, yeah. Rab- Do you know? Yeah. Like, what are they running after? I know, I know. Do you know yeah. He saw Charlie as a rabbit that's inside, inside in that race course. That's what he saw. Yeah. You know, and the, the way he just sped behind, like, I, I just heard this noise. I was like, what the hell is this? And next thing he just latched on. Like. And you had to make a decision. You had to make a decision in a split second. Do I, do I try and stop? This must have been awful for you. Do I try and stop awful. this dog attacking and tearing into Charlie or do I protect yeah. the baby? I'm telling you now. It's just, do you know, I, when you're in that situation, my legs were, I even lost my shoes running. I, I lost my shoes. I, uh, it, the worst experience of my whole life. Yeah, yeah. And I don't even have my poor dog anymore. I know, I know. All because of the carelessness of that centre and the woman, simple. It's down to those two. It's down to those two people who are responsible and we're here struggling and we're crying and 
we haven't eaten, you know, trying to sleep and seeing his toys around the house. And you know what? It's going to be tough for a while yet. Every time you open that front door, yeah, he's not there. Like, I was here now for a bit on my own yesterday because my, my sister's gone back, Barbara, my daughter's gone back to Dublin and Leah was working. And I was here on my own for a bit and geez, the quietness is horrible. He used to always be, he'd be one step behind me. He was like my shadow. I see a text. See a text there saying that um, while while I do feel awful for um, for Laura, um, it's not the dog's fault. It's those that train the dogs that way. I understand that. Yeah, but I'm I'm not blaming the dog as such. It's because the dog has been trained that yeah, way. The potential but danger then of the dog. The home fostered it out to this woman, and she was she was careless and even gate open anyway. You know, why aren't they muzzled? They should be, they, even if they are a home inside closed with the gates closed or whatever, they, they should have muzzles on them. They're, they're trained to kill because of money. It's about greed. They're greed. So and how does... They, dump them, they get rid of them and put them into rescue homes. Simple. Yeah, this is, I don't know how I don't know how long greyhounds race. I mean, this is a two-year-old ex-racing greyhound. Yeah. I mean, is it that that it, sometimes Maybe they just don't make the cut? Yeah, I know they don't make the cut. I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. and do, do you have? The, is it your decision then? How does that work with regards to requesting a dog to be put down? Do you have to make that well, request? Um, I can go through the court. But like I went to the guard station and talk when it happened, and they got back to me and they said that. Um, you could go to court. They can't call the warden and take the dog. It, that doesn't work that way. So you, you take her to court. Now, when I spoke to the woman at the centre, I asked her too that I wanted them put down, and I also wanted proof of it being, you know, that it had been done. But I rang her over the weekend, and there's no answer. And when you get onto them, it's an automatic um, response a text back that you get off them. Yeah, I'll talk to Vincent Cashman actually, um, the uh, animal expert with the ISPCA or CSPCA, and he he might be able to just fill in the, some of the blanks for me as to you know greyhounds or rescue dogs that are put oh. into family settings and trying to match the right type of dog. Because I mean, ultimately, people have the their their hearts in the right place, you know, taking rescue dogs as opposed to taking designer breeds that are bred for big money. Do you know that's the whole idea behind taking a rescue dog to save a dog's life. You know. I know, neighbours. Do you know what? At this stage now... It's a dangerous dog. Yeah. Like, yeah, and it's not the first dog it's happened to, and it's not going to be the last. No, I know, I know. And you know, the fact that Leah was on the phone to me when it happened as well, like I feel so much guilt over like the two of the girls not having their dog. Yeah, I know, I know. You know, you'll, that memory will be with you for, you know, for they a long time Leo, to come. Yeah, Leah was looking up there. They happened to a dog in June up the country. And he survived, but it was two dogs were on him. And did this happen somewhere in the city? Is it, Are you north side, south yeah. side? Where are you? Well, I'm living in the north side, but yeah. it was over by Bishopstown. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So... Right. Okay. Anyway. Let, let's see what the rescue centre, the rescue team, have to say yeah. on it as soon as they get in touch. Yeah. Okay. Right. Thanks. All right, Laura. Well. Tough, tough, Thank tough, 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 tough. Thank you for coming. I know it wasn't easy. I appreciate you taking no. the time. Cheers. Thank you.
Bye. Great. Text 0868 I see texts on this back after the break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818 Cork's Red FM. Interesting text. Why, oh why, are people keeping greyhounds as pets in the first place? Their in- instinct is to hunt and to kill. Well, there's that. And then we have the dangerous dogs list where those dogs also must be muzzled and on a lead. And unfortunately, while the vast majority of owners of them are very responsible, not all are. We've heard on the air over the years of those dogs on that list literally, uh, unfortunately, you know, um, also assaulting, um, injuring and in some cases killing children, not to mention other little pets. But just staying with this story uh, regarding this ex-racing greyhound um, and that awful, awful death. uh, Melora was talking on behalf of the family because she had... Uh, Charlie out on a lead, small little Bichon freeze. Just put a call into Vincent Cashman of the ISPCA. Joins me by phone. Vincent, good morning. Uh, morning. It's I, actually the CS. The CSPCA. I thought that. Yeah, I was saying that, but it came up as ISPCA. But my apologies. I, I corrected. Thank you. Just, just. Uh, I don't know how much of this story you actually heard. Um, the no, story of none okay. of this. Only so, up to two minutes ago. Okay, so Laura is out with their little dog uh, Charlie, a small little Bichon Frise on a lead, um, and along comes. Um, uh, some gates open, and uh, what's described as a two-year-old ex-racing greyhound uh, called Pepper. Uh, comes out, locks onto Charlie and literally rips him and tears him to shreds and he's now dead. The uh, greyhound, the ex-racing greyhound, was given to whomever the people are um, as a rescue dog. Um, and the description of him, I read out on the air this morning, is that uh, Pepper would be happy to be an only dog. He has a high prey drive he does react to cats and small dogs. He will need a home without neighbouring small dogs. Um, he's well able to express himself. Uh, he's clever and opportunistic. Likes to be the centre of attention. But the, the real issue here is, for me is that he has a high prey drive and reacts to cats and small dogs. Um, Charlie is dead and this ex-greyhound, racing greyhound, did the killing. Um, are greyhounds dangerous? Generally speaking, no. But greyhounds, or in particular any of the retired greyhounds, um, they're, they're sight hounds, so they'll hunt on sight. So it's, it's, if there's a movement there, the vast, vast majority of them, and we've rehomed um, a good few ex-racers here, um, are no issue whatsoever. They have done their time in the track, they just want to, their couch potatoes are like lurchers, they're just, mm. they just want to sit down and relax. But you will still have some of them that, that, that these guys were bred to chase. So, Unfortunately, as in this case, um, the dog. No, again, I'm I'm very very new to the information on this. Um, did he get out of a garden? Did he get off a lead? Did he jump a fence? Um, there could be a whole load of different reasons why the uh, dog. No, no lead, no muzzle, no fence, an open gate. Here's another part of the description. Pepper does try to be the boss if he can get away with it. He will need someone to help him understand boundaries. Mother of God, if we were having this conversation after a child was attacked, mauled or killed, the, the, the warning signs are here with regards to a dog like this, surely. Um, anyway, you don't have to comment on that. You don't know the I, dog. Well, you see, I see that, that basically, nearly, once a dog, and it can be any dog, right, they give you warning signs, okay? But unfortunately, the, the way things have gone... It's it's down. Everything is down to the dog owner. 
Okay, so no matter what happens with the dog, it's, it's the dog owner is blamed, right? Um, you're, you're, sometimes you have a dog that simply cannot be rehomed. And he can't be rehomed because he poses a threat or a danger to the public or to pets, mm. right? Now, you will come across dogs like that. But if you go to, nobody can 100% guarantee. If they have eight-foot walls, their garden is roofed, um, you, no one can give you 100% guarantees the dog will never get out of the garden. Yeah. That, it's on those occasions, that's when the damage is done. Um, again, you don't have to comment on any of this, though. Uh, he'll need someone to help him to understand boundaries. He's clever and opportunistic. He is a high prey drive. He does react to cats and small dogs. He'll need a home without other small dogs. Um, all of that would lead me to believe that this dog and what you're saying should not be rehomed, is it? Well, generally speaking, if, if you have a dog like that, again, not knowing all of the facts, um, I have no doubt there would have been a home checked on here and the garden could have been very, very secure, but a gate may have been left open. Um, there, there could be a, a list of different reasons. Oh, I know that, but I, I, know, I understand that. But I'm just saying on all of yeah. the warning signs, another one I didn't give out, he's not keen on sharing his space with other male dogs. You don't have to comment on this because it is talking about a specific dog. But just generally speaking, with all of those kind of warnings about a dog description, um, is is rehousing the best way to go or no, putting not, the dog... Not, what, not, not what all is, the time. Not what, all is the, what is the alternative? Putting the dog down? Putting putting the dog to sleep, yes. Okay. And it is, it is one of the most difficult things that anybody in animal welfare or working with anima, animals has to do. But... We, you, you don't get into animal welfare to pick the 90% of the work. You pick the 100%. And sometimes a decision will have to be made for the betterment, one, of the dog, because you're probably putting off the inevitable, to the risk to other um, kids. And, and we've had two deaths in Ireland in the last 12 months. Um, and to small animals and just serious injuries to members of the public. That's why we've a restricted breeds list. I mean, that, no, not that greyhounds should be honest by any stretch of the imagination. Okay. But if, but if animals are showing you signs that they are unsuitable for homing, or if the list is there and it's this, 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 and this, then a decision would have to be made. Look, maybe the best thing to do is put the animals. And why, um, why is there even a need to house X racing greyhounds? What happens to greyhounds? Um, this is only, if this is the same dog now, let me say, it comes with a caveat. Um, but... Why would a two-year-old be an ex-racing greyhound? It could have been, it might be prone to injuries on its feet. Um, so sometimes after going around the turn, it might, it might have broken a toe. It could have had a, 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 an injury that would uh, prevent it from being raced anymore. Um, there could be a multitude of different things. And when, but when, generally speaking, it's an injury. And when greyhounds can't race anymore, don't make the cut, what generally happens to them? Um, generally, there's been an awful lot of press about this, Neil, right? And about the amount of greyhounds being bred and, and registrations and bits and pieces like that. Um, the, the, the greyhound board, and there are plenty of they're trying to rehome greyhounds, and they rehome them as best they can. Um, but some would be put to sleep, yes. Yeah, yeah. You were making the point earlier there that they, they, when they do the checks on where they send rescue dogs, a lot of these dogs are 
psychologically damaged dogs, aren't they? Because they would have been abused or maltreated, cruelty, uh, probably um, a lot of them beaten as well. So psychologically, they need to be careful. Some would, but the vast majority of dogs that are ending up inside in pounds or inside in shelters in Ireland are dumped. There may not be anything. They may have experienced no uh, cruelty, no um, beatings or anything like that. But it's the fact that they have just worn out their usefulness. Okay. And what does that mean, worn out their usefulness? As they grew out of a pup and they were no longer manageable, is the, it? One, the, um, the main one over the last two years, right, is COVID. Everybody and their grandmother had a dog. And then they, we've had people, and they were blatantly honest with us. Uh, look, I went to surrender the dog. The dog is six months old or nine months old. We're back to work and we've no time for it. People should, and we had this discussion two and a half years ago, Neil, that the place would be glutted yeah, with dogs, and, yeah. it, and, yeah. it, and it is now. And why then could they not come up with some kind of, did they, did they not bond with the dog in the space of that six to nine, 12 months? Did they not kind of say, under, I just could not part with the dog, regardless of my circumstances, no? The, 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 we're seeing two different types here. People who spent, and even though there, there has been the odd caveat to that, the vast majority of people who paid way over the odds, 1,500, 2,000, 2,500, 3,000 for a dog, they're generally keeping it, generally keeping it. Um, the vast majority of people who spent maybe three or 400 euros on a dog of absolutely crazy mixed breeds, um, too large, too aggressive, and then they want to get rid of it. Those are the dogs now that are coming in as strays. Right, misfortunate dogs. And yeah, there was, during COVID, and this will give you an idea, stray dogs were being reclaimed. So any strays that we got in here were being reclaimed within days. Yeah. No, they're not. No, they're no, not. they're being dumped. Yeah. yeah. And where did, where did they bring them to dump them? Did they just take them? Oh, they're just picked out. They'd be, take, take into the, they'd be found by a member of the public. Um, some people then let on them after finding the stray dog. Um, there could be a, a multitude of things. Oh, um, that's, um, that's interesting. That's quite opportunistic. They pretend they're, they've got a stray dog when it's actually yeah. their dog. Yeah. yeah. And then sometimes they make the mistake, see you, Benji, as they're going out the door. And then you, can, you know by the dog's reaction to them that this isn't a new thing. This isn't a case of, I've just picked this guy wandering down Patrick Street. They can't even get the lie right. I mean, I'm not talking about an Irish wolfhound in a one-bedroom apartment now, but they just don't even know that the dog is going to get very big. Some of them, we have dealt with some very, very large breed dogs that people got and they kept them in tiny houses. And then they find out afterwards, oh, the dog is on the restricted breeds list. I didn't know. And again, we've discussed this till the cows come home. Um, no homework done. And in, in particular, the amount of people now will say, on the restricted breeds list, you have the likes of German Shepherd, uh, Alsatian, and so on, right? Um, Belgian Malinois should be on the restricted breeds list. Belgian Malinois is turning up everywhere. Where are they coming from? Um, Being bred um, here? People are breeding them. Yeah. They're breeding them, and because they, they're not on the restricted breeds list, um, they're like a, a, a skinnier, but far more agile. German Shepherd. Okay. And how many of these were, are still seen just wandering around the city or the suburbs? <sighs> um, thankfully, the vast majority of time they're on a lead. Um, but you do get them. We're, we're, getting, uh, we're getting a stream of them coming in here. Of reports or dogs? Or both. Both. Okay. 
Okay. What happens now in the event, just finally, what happens in the event of Laura wanting this um, greyhound put to sleep? Now, many people are texting already saying, it's not the dog's fault, it's not the dog's fault, that's not fair. How does that usually work? Does she have to go to court? Well, they'd have to, do, they'd have to go to court to do that. Okay. The judge would make the issue on that. Okay. But An animal warden wouldn't make it, like, no? No, 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 no. A dog warden won't make that decision. That would be down to the, 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 the judge. Uh, the, the wardens may or may not secure the dog for the length of time that the court case is going on and until a judgment is made. But, but sometimes it's, it's very easy. Um, it's very easy I, I, I explain another case to Neil. We, we, a couple of years ago, there was a case where there was a woman very, very badly attacked by a dog. Uh, so much so it took four guards to take the dog off her. Right, her, uh, her upper arms were completely destroyed. She was trying to protect her face, and she had done nothing wrong to the dog. The dog just turned. Right, again, one of these crazy breeds, and um, she was destroyed. And a lot of people come out, oh, it's, it's not the dog's fault, it's unfair enough, the dog is put to sleep and the whole lot. And I said, this lady can't even plug in the kettle. She can't flick a light switch. Because um, of her injuries? Have, because of her injuries. Okay. She's going to have difficulty getting dressed for a while, while her injuries are healing. She's lucky she's actually alive. So for people to come along and say afterwards that, oh, it's, it's, not, it's not the dog's fault, it's not the time for us. It's irrelevant whose fault it is. The injuries have been sustained. And sometimes then a, a tough decision has to be made. Yeah, but that tough so decision, on what basis is it made? Because that, that could be just revenge. I, I need my revenge. I need the dog put down for revenge. Um, I think, again, Neil, it's very easy for us to say that when we're not the person that has been attacked. Yeah. I think that is a, that is a question that needs to be asked to the person. Do, do they want this dog put to sleep because of it? If that dog got out of the house and killed somebody, what would be the discussion then? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, over the last 12 months, and the best thing in the world in Ireland was, and other people now will argue, and I can see your, 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 your text messages are coming in hot and fast when I say this, the restricted breeds list in Ireland has saved lives. It has saved lives. And it is down to Joe Public to obey those rules. If they have a dog that has potential to kill something or kill somebody. It takes extra care. But it's the system over here. We were dealing with a girl, uh, an Irish girl, she came back from Germany there lately. She brought her dog back. Her license is €120 a year. Okay? Now, if they have what they call a restricted breed, right? They're not a restricted breed over there because they have great dog ownership. But if they have a dog and they, they have a German Shepherd or a Doberman or something like that, they have to, by law, sign up to dog training classes. The classes work out at 100 euros for 10 weeks. Mm. And you have the option of doing more classes afterwards. Those, it's, it's, it's only a tenor a lesson. And the vast majority of people over there get the extra lessons because they want to be a responsible dog owner. And when they do that, they can bring their dogs onto the, the, the trams, the buses, into coffee shops, into restaurants, because they know that the dog is actually well behaved. You couldn't do that here. Why? Because there's no training. There's, there's no training. There's, there's a lot of people now that they're, they're going to dog training classes. They want to be responsible dog owners. But you have others that don't. They don't care. And that'll never change, you think, is it? I, 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 I don't know, Neil. Mm. There's, there's always going to be something when, when, especially if you're dealing with Irish people, there's always somebody out there who knows better than you. 
um, who doesn't think you know what you're talking about, and um, they won't follow advice because they know better. And if that is the case, um, you, you're going to have you're going to have accidents. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've met I've met people who have dangerous dogs on the dangerous dog list but the dogs are lovely they've actually sat in studio here with me and you know their yep. owners are lovely people as well but I often think that for some people it's kind of a bit of a status symbol the dangerous dog it, it can be there, there is actually an organisation out there and I would say we're dealing with any of the, the bull breeds right and the likes of Staffordshire Bull Terriers you'll, you'll have a job trying to find a dog as loyal as a Staffordshire Bull Terrier but the unfortunate thing is the bite pressure in the in the mouth per square inch. Oh, sure, they you do can't bite. shift them, yeah. You, yeah. Can't, you can't shift them, yeah. right? But there's an organisation, and, and all they want to do is is broadcast the fact that staffies are not this and they're not that and they're not aggressive. And they've all their ears cropped. So the first thing you see on, on this staffie is is the ears cropped. So they're making the dog, before he does anything, there's a judgment on the dog straight away because he looks aggressive. They, they they crop the ears to make the dog look more aggressive. They they, they think it's 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 in the breed. Donkeys donkeys years ago when the likes of staffies and stuff like that were used for, for bull baiting and fighting and stuff like that. They used to cut the ears. So that if the if they there was less than for another dog to grab onto. Okay. Yeah. Right? It is illegal to do it. No vet will do it in this country. There's no cosmetic surgery is allowed on a dog, technically speaking, right? And sorting their ear cropping. And a lot of these people are actually ear cropping at home. <sighs> so they, they have a design. Basically, it's like an ear cut, as they call it. And you can go different designs to cut on the ear. The dog is put on the table and his ear is cut around. Oh, there God. No anaesthetic or nothing like that, I guess. They might give them some bit of pain relief, a couple of Panadol, Nurofen, we've heard over the, over the years. That's true. Um, and then they cut them. And then the dog ends up with plenty of ear problems because the, the dog's ears are folded down to keep the water out of his ears. Simple thing. And that's denied you them. Want, yeah. It's denied them. And yeah. then again, the dog, that's, that's not serving the likes of staffies or anything like that, any, any um, I suppose, benefit. They look aggressive then. But they look uh, as if they're... Just fine, a greyhound isn't on the dangerous dogs list though, is no, it? No, no, no. Hmm. G- generally, like, greyhounds are a very, very placid okay. dog. You said that, okay. okay. Yeah, they're a very placid, but you just... It's, it's like anything. The vast majority doesn't cover all. So you're just going to get the odd one. And on, as I said, look, I don't know the circumstances behind this. Um, no, listen, being, nor do I. I. I only have what I can work with. And that's yeah. Laura's conversation and some of the backstory and um, descriptions of what happened from online. Uh, thanks so much, Vincent. You're very kind at short notice. Thanks for coming on the air. Food for thought there. A lot of text coming in. Cheers, Vincent. Have a good day. Thank you. No problem. Vincent Cashman with the CSPCA. I see texts on it. I'll pick up on the text after 10. Your texts are welcome. Text 0868104106. My apologies to John. He was waiting a long time. I don't know whether he's still in a situation to come on the air. If so, John, I'd love to chat with you after 10. Thank you. I'm Rory. And I'm Valerie. And you can join us for the very best in local, national and international sport every weekend on the Big Red Bench. That's the Big Red Bench. Every Saturday and Sunday from 6 on Cork's Red FM. Get it off your chest. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Super, super weather. So uh, be careful, though. Watch yourself because we're not used to the weather that's going to be ahead of us for this week. Uh, I heard somebody say earlier on the long, hot Irish summer continues. (laughs) Okay, I'll take it. I'll take it. Oh, and listen also, without me coming across all preachy, 
be careful of uh, pets as well with the week ahead. Make sure they've got plenty of water and make sure there's a bit of shade available to them. Uh, with regards to the attack on Leah and Laura's little dog, little Charlie, the Bichon Frise, oh my God, that poor girl, the owner of that uh, greyhound should be jailed. Jailed, I said. That's what a lurcher does to a hare, remember. Greyhounds or lurchers are trained to have a high prey drive in order for them to run and win races. That's why it's described. Um, yeah, I described it because it was a description of the greyhound that I read earlier on. They are trained to chase something small and fluffy like rabbits. The industry and the people who train dogs like this, they're the ones to blame. Greyhounds can be very gentle dogs by nature. Uh, can you please pass on my details and number to that poor lady who lost her dog, Charlie? We used a cremation service in May for our beautiful Westie, Jess. It's a very personal, sad thing to do. And I would like, if she would let me, to help her. Uh, hi, Neil. They have staffies on the restricted lift list and they are complete babies. That list is so unfair. Uh, they are, there are pit bulls being walked on Main Street, Mitchellstown with no muzzle regularly. Any other country and you'd get at least a heavy fine. I witnessed a woman tie her pit bull to a bus stop and go shopping. Really? Texter says, what if a child was passing by? Yeah, what if the pit bull got off the lead? I can't say too much on the topic, uh, but how do you know that that dog is the dog that did the attacking? Perhaps she's blaming the wrong dog. Maybe, I, I, and if it is, I certainly would correct it, but it was the attachment that I was sent by the family with regards to the description of, well, you know, it happened. Even if it was another greyhound, it still happened. I doubt most of the dogs in pounds are greyhounds. You're singling out the greyhound people again. No, I'm not. I mean, the only thing I could do here would be ignore the story. I'm not singling anybody out. Unfortunately, time and time again, Shiona says people are the problem. They would sell their own, let alone a poor dog. It's the people are wrong. Uh, also, breeders need to be vetted and rescue centres need to be more vigilant. It's just so sad this world we live in, says Shiona. Uh, a dog that kills must be put down and put down immediately. Yes, but is a dog that kills another dog you're talking about needs to be put down. Uh, these greyhounds are blooded, so I think they are highly dangerous, says Kathleen. There's reams of them, one or two more. The same thing happened to my dog. She's a medium-sized lab collie. I was just leaving my house and a female lab did the same, grabbed her around the neck. The dog was also from a rescue in someone's care. Off the lead. Thankfully, another woman came along and we separated them. My dog was okay, but I was absolutely traumatized. My sister's little Yorkie was attacked yesterday by an, un an unleashed staffy. It caught him by the neck. I had to run him to the emergency vets. Got stitches in the neck, but the poor little fella is traumatized. He was so lucky. That was another unleashed dog, staffy. It's rare you see a staffy with cut ears, Neil. Um, he's referring to bull staffs. Whichever, the idea of putting your dog up on a table, giving the dog a few, few Panadol and redesigning their ears with what? Like a scissors? Uh, I have a dog with very similar traits. He doesn't like sharing his space with male dogs. So you're telling me I should put my dog down? I'm not saying anything. I'm just covering the story. Uh, I agree with Vincent. One, once a dog bites, then they should be put to sleep. We are way behind Europe. We should have these schools for restricted breeds. I have a staffy. He's the most docile and quiet dog I've ever known. And before you ask, no, his ears are not cropped. Uh, we have a neighbour with a cane corso. It's the size of a house. It's on the dangerous list. The poor dog is not walked and kept in a small three-bed house 24 hours a day with two small kids. It will kill someone. It's so cruel. 
If the dog gets out, it will kill one of our kids. We're in a small estate and I'm so afraid. Selection of texts. That that actually is another topic entirely on its own regarding all breeds of dogs, breeds that dogs that never get out, that are indoors all of the time, never walked. People go out to work and they leave them there. And, uh, you know, I mean, physically and psychologically, it's seriously damaging dogs. Emer, good morning. Hi, how are you? Thanks for coming on the air. Lengthy text, but what, what's on your mind? Um, I kind of just tuned in there last minute. Um, basically, I have two German Shepherd dogs that are considered dangerous. Um, so, like, technically, they have to be muzzled when I bring them out of the house. You know, kind of don't keep them unsupervised with children and stuff. Okay, I'm but just, like, I don't I, have the dangerous dog list in front of me. I can dig it up here now on my phone while you're yeah. talking. But is, is, the, is the German Shepherd on it? Yes. Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. All yeah. Right. And I, I have to say, like, they're absolute, like, slobs. Like, they're so... Now, we've gone... We spent months in training since we, they were about, God, I'd say 12, 14 weeks old. We started going into training straight away as they're, like, a large breed. We wanted to make sure that, you know, they have, like, their police dogs in America and stuff. And, you know, if anything was to ever happen, that, you know, it wouldn't come back on us. You know, that we've done everything that we can. Could I ask you a question? Okay, you could train your German Shepherd from a puppy the way you want him or her to grow up and behave. But how do you know about your dog's parents or the parents before him? So you get papers with, like, they're they're purebreed dogs. So you do get papers with them. But that, like, you can go back and track and you can check the history and stuff and everything. Okay. But, like... Even besides that, I think, like, your dog should go through, like, an assessment once they hit, like, a certain age, these dangerous dogs. Right. Do you know? Okay. To see, because they can assess for these things. You can see the signs, you know, are they going to be aggressive as they grow older? Do you know? You can tell from when they're small, small incidents that could have happened to them or anything. Like, do you know, I just think... It but can you, can you rest assured, then, that the, your dogs will never, ever snap or if provoked or anything, or not provoked? I'd, I'd put my life on it. Would you? Yeah, they absolutely, they adore children. They adore other dogs. Like, my parents have small dogs. They love them. Like, my niece, she's three and a half, and, like, she runs with her arms open to them, looking for a hug. We've been to the marina market where parents have walked past us and their kids have run over and been like, oh, my God, can I pet your dog? Can I rob your dog? And they'll just sit there, they'll give them a lick, and they're happy out. Okay. And was that down to the training that you did, the months of training? Absolutely. Okay. And when you go out, are they on a muzzle and a lead? Uh, they're on a lead, no muzzle. Are they supposed to be muzzled? They're supposed to be muzzled, but I would not put my dogs on a muzzle. No way. Right. And is a law I being broken not. when you don't do that? I assume so, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Okay. Um, but, okay. And what happens then when you're out walking them on a lead? I think you said you have two of them. I have two, yeah. They walk me side by side. No issues. Right. And it's how do so other people react when you walk them? Um, you do get adults that would walk past you. They'd cross the road to try to go away from you. But it's usually the kids. The kids are the brave ones, to be honest. Like, they they wouldn't bat an eyelid. Like, they'd nearly be straight over being like, oh, my God, can I rob them? And they'd be hugging them and everything, you know. And do other dog owners with dogs on the dangerous list who are out walking them without a muzzle ever worry that a child might run up looking for a cuddle and the dog's jaws will lock on them. They might do, I suppose. Like, it's, again, like, it's all down to your training, you know? Like, if your dog isn't trained, like, what can you expect, you know? Okay, yeah. Okay. okay. So, the, the worst that happens is that 
adults cross the street out of fear. Yeah. They never say anything to you, would they? No, no one would never say anything, to be fair enough. I've never had any, like, bad incidents. But you can just tell, like, they're staring at you and they're kind of like, the eyes kind of be this small where they're like, my God, you know, they're big, they're large breeds. But, like, they're, they're slabs. I have everything. And that doesn't bother you when people kind of look in fear or no. anger, no? No. Should they come up to the bed with me? You, you need a very, you need a lot of space for two big German shepherds, do you? We would, yeah. Um, now, like we have them in crates at night time. Like they go into crates during the night. Um, but like fine, once you bring them out. But lo- but lots of exercise, yeah. Yeah, okay. absolutely. All right, okay. I'll let you get back to your work. Thanks for that. Appreciate it, Emer. Take care. Take care. Mary, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Your, um, your sister's little Yorkie. What happened yesterday? Um, my brother-in-law was walking him. Um, I'm not sure. I think somewhere at the North Mel, Blarney Street. And um, without warning, this he said a Staffy-type dog. I'm not too sure. He well, the, the Dangerous Dogs list says a Staffordshire a, Bull Terrier. I think it was one of those, yeah. Yeah, big jaws, you know. And he came from behind. He was loose. He, was, he just ran out from, he couldn't tell where he ran from. Came up behind him, grabbed him by the neck. He's only a small little thing. He's only like five kilos. The Yorkie pulled him up off the ground. And then a young fella, a teenager, came flying along. And it was obviously his dog. And cut his own dog by the two back legs and lifted him up off the ground trying to get him to drop the little Yorkie and the two of them were up off the ground and he was still holding on to his neck and the poor little thing like was just God love him but anyway he was lucky as far as he survived but how did the but young fella get the Staffy off eventually I think I think well my brother and I had a stick as well and I think they were probably walloping him with that and eventually he dropped him anyway and um, he had he, the poor little thing went down on the ground he didn't know if he was dead or alive and um, he had to lift him home, carry him home. He couldn't walk and there was blood coming out of his neck. So um, I just happened to turn up at their house just after he came in with the dog and they were just ringing the emergency vet in Gilebi. And um, I took them out there and um, the two of them were so shook. Like he's 12 years old, like the hierarchy. And um, so they had to stitch him up. I think he got four stitches. But it was so near the juggler they said, a fraction of an, of an inch, he would be dead. I know. That's, I mean, he's still he's still hurt, he injured, in pain, and traumatized. traumatized. As, as the family are. Like he, he was wobbling, he was couldn't walk properly, and um, he's still very, very quiet now. This morning again, like he's, they gave him a sedative, all right, and he slept, but he's very traumatized. He's kind of not coming out of his bed, and you know, was that like, in the woods or a park or the beach or no, a housing no, estate or a footpath? On the road, on yeah. the road. To see, they're on the North Mel, that would be kind of his route. And he goes back, I think, Blarney Street direction. So to see the North Mel. Okay, so unleashed, unleashed and unmuzzled. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. And did yes. any idea what the young fella said when he came back and got the staffy off? Oh, he was just saying, sorry, sorry. But I think the young fella was kind of shocked himself as well. But they never found out who he was or anything because they were all got such a fright that they, um, you know, Dan was just, he was in shock himself. He, he just he just ran he just ran with his dog he to the vet. He just ran with the dog, yeah. Yeah, 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 literally, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, I never trust those dogs. I have to say, anyway, any of these dogs with a big jaws. 
And I, can un- I, I can understand why you would trust them even less now. They can do horrific, well, yeah, yeah they, they can do horrific damage. Like if a terrier, if a terrier bites, it'll be a nip. It won't be anything too serious, something small, you know. But one of these dogs, they won't let go. Well, you're, if you're 100% accurate about what it was, a Staffordshire Bull yeah. Terrier, it was out yeah. without any supervision in the sense of there was no leash and no muzzle. And the law states yeah. that the dog must wear a secure muzzle, must be oh, on a strong yeah. leash and must be led by a person over 16 years of age, capable exactly. of controlling the, con- the dog. Who has control, some control over him. He had gotcha. no control at all. The poor lad was, was, was in the horrors himself as well. He did his best, you know. Well, why is he like, in the horrors like? Why hasn't he got the damn thing on a lead? I know. I no, he didn't know if he ran out of a garden or if he ran out of a house no, or where he came from. Yeah, he just okay. appeared yeah. and you know, they come in from behind and they didn't he didn't even know he was there till he was aware he was there. And the next time I'm grabbing his dog right back at the Yeah, you heard about poor Laura's yeah. dog, did you the I did, yeah, that's freeze. what I, that's what I thought. Yeah. Like that that it's happening more and more often and maybe maybe it's the heat, I don't know. Maybe it was the heat yesterday, but still no excuse. All right. Still no excuse. Okay. Thanks, Mary. You know. Cheers. Okay, then. Take care. You. Back Bye. after the break. Text 0868104106. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818104106. Red FM. Okay, it's not all negative stuff. I will tell a lot of other stories from the back end of last week that has. Uh, a lot of texts that need covering, but uh, I, I'm so annoyed at myself when I got off the air on Friday because I ran out of time and clean forgot one of my greatest friends and one of Cork's most fantastic people celebrated his birthday on Sunday, and that was the one and only Joe Mack, and Joe Mack was 87 yesterday, and I wanted to wish him a happy birthday on Friday, and I fecking forgot, so my apologies uh, Joe, um, Bernard was on to me, and I Plenty notice. It was just my own fault. So I want to wish you a very happy 87th birthday for yesterday. I hope you're in fine form and still gigging inside. I know you're still gigging inside in Canties on a Sunday. So I hope that yesterday was an extra special day at the gig. Because Joe Mack was 87. It's an incredible age for an incredible man. You won't meet a nicer guy. Talking about nicer people. Um, I also promised a big shout out. And why wouldn't I? Because on Friday afternoon, I have this blind, you know, for a, for a Velox window, right? And it's been, it's, I don't know, it's 17 or 18 years old, but it's been broken. The old spring and it's been gone. And I was trying to get it repaired and I couldn't get it done in the city. The few places that they didn't have the spring and it was too old and everything. Uh, but the lads out in Douglas told me the only, the only people that will be able to fix that blind for you is the, cur- is the, is the curtain shop. It's called the curtain shop. It's also E&R blinds down in McCroom. They're just behind the old triangle. So I brought the blind down to them as I was heading west on Friday afternoon. I called in and I had the most entertaining, funny half hour uh, with the staff down there that I've had in a long, long time. They are just a bunch of characters. It's an enormous place in there. The actual, it's, it's like a factory setting. It's huge. When you go into the work areas, the workplace, they've got all of the huge big benches and desks and massive big sewing machines and, you know, blinds and upholstery and Venetian blinds. You name it, they've got it in there all working away. Uh, so we had a good laugh down there. We really did. We were chatting away for half an hour. Great stories. And I want to wish them well. They did the business on it and fixed the blind and I went away one happy man. So I want to say good morning to Maura and to Sandra and to Jill and to John and everybody else down there at the curtain shop, Ian R. Blinds and McCroom, you were really just a great bunch of people. I've never come across people so happy in their work um, and half cracked at the same time. <laughs> so it was great fun. So lovely chatting with you. And thanks for listening uh, for so many years. I do appreciate it. Text 0868104106. Listen, 
There's a story in the papers this morning. I was reading it online. I see the examiner carried as well. The notice for tenants to quit has doubled in the last year. It's nearly 6,000 now um, per year. A a fresh ban has been called now uh, to literally... You know, we had the the stoppage on eviction notice for a lot of of COVID. And then it was lifted, the uh, temporary eviction ban. Sinn Féin want that reintroduced, that there would be a ban again on evictions because it continues to increase. And the main reason literally is that landlords want to get out of the market. They want to sell up. And why would they want to sell up now? Because property prices are high. Um, And they probably see, with a recession coming, property prices dropping again, as they do. What goes up must come down, goes back up again. So that's the reason why for the timing. So the PRTB have announced the figures uh, and this fresh calls for a ban on evictions. But it got me thinking, I saw an article at the weekend then, or the lads did, with regards to Cork Bio. Now, I also dealt with this story way back. It must have been maybe 2017, 2018, uh, that kind of thing. Um, and I think maybe the Irish Mirror also carried it because it was Googling the story. You might you might recall um, Apollo House in Dublin. That was one of the more famous uh, stories that made the news in 2016 when activists went in and took over Apollo House and they were in there and then you will remember the security guards that were called and the guardie and everything. Uh, but back in 2017, uh, a group of individuals, num- members of the Connolly Youth Movement, um, there's an article that made Hot Press some time back where they, and Hot Press said that they broke into a city centre business and set up camp there. It's a house very ne- right next to the Granary Theatre, right across from Prez. Um, and they've been there, um, and they're still there, and have been since 2017. And if you don't know it, the Connolly Youth Movement support the occupi- occupation of derelict buildings uh, to use as homes for people. And over the years, I've had quite an amount of people saying that if the houses or if there are properties abandoned and nobody's taking care of them and nobody seems to wish to do them up or do anything with them and they sit there derelict, why shouldn't people move in there and make a home of them if nobody else seems to show any interest in them? So did we check back in again and see, uh, you know, five years later as to what was going on at uh, Connolly HQ, if you like. Rachel, good morning. Good morning. Are you in the house? Not at this moment in time. Oh, but you live there, do you? I did for quite some time, yeah. Okay. Not anymore, though. Not at the moment, no. Okay, okay. Are you happy to chat with me about it? I am, of course, yeah. Good, okay. So, what, was it about 2017 that the first group went in, is it? Yeah, August 2017, so just five years now, actually, this week. Okay. And have people come and gone, or is it the same group, or does it vary? Well, it's all members of the Connolly Youth Movement, um, give or take. So it's been kind of residents coming and going who are all members of the Connolly Youth Movement. Okay, so people would stay for a period of time and then move on? Yeah. Okay, okay. And what's it like? Is it, what, is it a kind of a terrace house, three bedroom originally or what? Uh, it's actually, it's, it's very similar to the homes on College Road that I suppose a lot of people will be familiar with. Right. It's very large. It's, um, it's what, three stories. Um, so there's about... Eight rooms, I'd say. Right. Okay. Okay. And can you just talk me, walk me through the the interior? Because we had wanted to go and visit, but apparently that's not possible at the moment, is it? Yes, we have builders in at the moment for structural repairs. 
Right, good for you. Okay, so are they all converted to bedrooms and a communal kitchen area or what? Yeah, so um, we have like a dojo or a gym inside um, and then the rest are bedrooms, bathrooms and a communal kitchen and living room. Um, so then, you know, it's it's quite big, like it, re- it really is. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's pretty well equipped at the moment in time. Because when I was reading about it, some years back, there was no central heating, there was no electricity. Is that still the case? That is still the case. Uh, so there's still no electricity or heating uh, just because it can't be hooked up because we're missing a very important number for to ring up the ESB. Uh, but you know what? We really do get by like and, and people pay into like what we call a barracks kitty yeah. to sustain things like gas and all the rest because that's how we're cooking as well and as well as heating the place. Okay, so with like a so, like a super sir, a, a gas barrel attached to the to the to the cooker. And no, so what we have is we have the small little gas cookers with um, camping gas essentially hooked up to them. Okay, okay. Um, it was the bedrooms described as quite damp. Is it is it tough in the winter with no heating and dampness? It's tough, all right, but I think we really ended up getting the hang of it eventually. We didn't really have a choice um, and getting kind of damp traps and dehumidifiers. And they fill up fast, but they really do make the difference when people are, like, looking after them. Okay. Were you there at the beginning, like, um, when, when people went in first? Because I was just wondering, was there... It was described in, in the hot press at the time as the furniture is dingy, covered by old faded blankets. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> has, has that improved? That has improved a lot. Um, I was not there at the beginning, but people who would have been involved in the project, kind of, you know, like just helping external to the Connolly movement, would have visited it quite recently and seen a massive improvement. Um, I would say we've really gotten the place together. I, I really hope no one would describe the furniture as dingy. I actually think it is a really, really nice communal space. Now. Bear in mind that was 2017 in fairness. Yeah. So you've probably done a lot of work since then. Does anybody, I mean, do you know who owns it? We don't. We have been trying to find out, obviously. Um, but kind of through the land registry and other means, we have not been able to find a recent owner within the last 10 years. Okay, okay. Does anybody ever call in all those years asking why you're there or asking you to leave? Um, we did have one interaction with the guards at the beginning. Um, that was not enforced. But usually, you know, when we're out in the garden kind of like planting stuff, people will come and chat and ask kind of, oh, you know, What's going on here? Yeah. And um, so there's definitely a curiosity about it, and it's great to talk to people about it then as well. Yeah, but no legal letters, uh, you know, no city no. council coming around with eviction notices or anything like that. No, not those far fingers okay. crossed for the yeah. future as well. Like anyway. this, <laughs> the, I mean, this is not party central. Sure, it's not, you know, it's not as if you're keeping the neighbours up half the night with boom, boom music, and it, it's where you live. Yeah, so like obviously, you know, it's would be, as, as one of your producers referred to it, HQ, our little headquarters in Cork, for political activity. But also, like, you know, people live there. So, like, no one's coming in there with, you know, cans and bags or anything, like, doing stuff up all night. It's, you know, people live there. They have work in the morning. Yeah, so, I actually, I, I read there. that. Yeah, I mean, in fairness, I did read that. The Hot Press article spoke to some of them back in 2017 who literally got up, got washed up, had a bit of breakfast and went to work. Yeah. Um, did you make friends while you were there before you moved on? Yeah, you do, of course. Like, obviously, I'm still a member of the Connolly Youth Movement and I'd be in there quite frequently for kind of branch activity. 
Um, and I think there's kind of a sense of camaraderie because obviously when you live in a place where there's no heating, no electricity, you have to put some heads together to kind of make things work. You know, when I suppose the way it is now is obviously I'm not there at the moment, but it's, you know, do you need to use my washing machine? Do you need to use my dryer? And people can because like we all know we're kind of in this together. We're looking at the same thing. So if people are willing to live in the barracks, we're not just going to leave them without these resources that the rest of us have. Yeah, well, in a normal residential property, you literally put things in the washer or the dryer. Do, 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 do you guys like, is it old fashioned hand washing in the sink with water that you boil, in, boil on a Primus or do you go out and get it done? Uh, so what we do, we, we're not into the whole uh, washing board ban me kind of thing. So generally speaking, we have other members living kind of close. So we just say, you know, whoever wants to come up and use my washing machine today, you <laughs> okay, know, all get right. here between this time and this time. What, what do you do then for, I mean, you have to think twice about a cup of tea or a cup of coffee. Do I really want it kind of thing? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you wouldn't be, wouldn't be on a whim decision That's anyway. Right, no one yeah. can half finish a cup of tea or they'd be scolded. And also, how do you plug in, how do they plug in their mobile phones or charge their laptops or, you know, watch Netflix on, because yeah, you have no TV. Yeah, no TV. So generally speaking, there's kind of, there's a few options. Like what some people do is, you know, they'll charge them at a friend's house or something. But because everyone's working, they might charge their phone and their power bank at work you know, and then use the power bank until they have work the next day um, or something like that. Or else, you know, because people are living close, it's like, you know, can you take my power bank home and bring it back to me for the branch activity tomorrow? <laughs> so you have to think ahead all the time, don't you? Things that many people take for granted. <laughs> oh the- my, like, you know, it, it's, it's, it's madness, like. Yeah. Like, I was reading that the laws around squatting uh, it's not a criminal offence to trespass. If you are squatting, the owner has to file an injunction in the High Court to move it from civil to criminal. Um, and that's never happened. Yeah, I mean, squatters' rights is something that's uh, pretty well expanded upon in Ireland. And it said, obviously, like the, the crime is trespass, you know, like trespass would intend to commit a crime or something like property damage. Um but God, I think once we got in there, we've really made it a much better place, you know, lifted the inches of dust off of the carpets and got all the plumbing sorted, got all the structural issues sorted. So, you know, I'd say we, we have been a massive improvement to the place. And I really, I really hope that people around us would say that as well. Oh, I, I believe it. I mean, God, it, it, nobody seemed to care or was interested in it. You're, you're getting structural work done on it now. You did all of that work over the past seven years. It's a much better situation now than it was before you moved in there. It's a living, breathing home. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What is the law? Isn't there a time involved in squatting where you could stay forever after so many? Is it like something like seven years or something? So it's actually the way it works is that um, if you can hold on to it uninterrupted, so that means uninterrupted by a guard or a landlord, uh, for about 12 years, then you can bring it to court. You don't just get it, you have to bring it to court. Um, and then it's reduced to six years if the like registered property owner has passed away. And then it's 30 years if it's property of the council. Okay, all right. So you don't know. You don't even know if it's privately owned or whether it's owned by a bank that went bust or whether it's owned by the council. You don't know. We don't know. No, we don't. But there's always the threat of a knock on the door. Is that a worry? It, it is. What I would say is it's definitely a more precarious living situation um, than normal kind of residential renting. Um, 
but what I would say is that, you know, everyone in the house kind of knows what to do in that situation and what the, the protocol is. And ultimately, we have been left alone for quite some time. You know, we know our neighbours quite well and yeah. stuff. So if there's ever a problem, we'd hope we'd hear from them as well yeah, yeah, before yeah. something happens. Can't plug in a Christmas tree. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> i get some solar lights. Get a solar panel on the roof of it, and and the and the it's this male and female live in the house. Are they are they local, or do they come and go from all over the world, or what? Local, so it would be members of the Cork branch, the Connolly Youth Movement, because obviously we don't want to kind of just be planting into communities and expecting people to welcome up to open arms, and they're kind of like God, like who do you think you are? And um, so we will be local, all right? Yeah. Now, the, the hot press said in the article at the time that the walls have art on them, right? Uh, Joseph Stalin is up there. The hammer and the sickle flag is up there. Jeremy Corbyn, James Connolly, Fidel Castro, Malcolm X. Uh, is that still the case? Uh, it's gone, undergone a lot of changes. There's a new mural um, coming in on the inside wall, which hasn't been agreed what it's going to be yet. So uh, any suggestions we're listening, Neil? Um, I'm, just, yeah, I'm just not so sure that I'm just not so sure that Joseph Stalin is the best person to be emulating. Like, would you? Oh no, I completely understand that, and I think there's a very important conversation to be had about it. But um, ultimately, in terms of artwork and internal kind of decor, uh, the barracks is undergoing a lot of changes okay. at this moment in time. Okay, so the bigger picture here is that would you be encouraging others um, either to join your movement or to just go and move into places that nobody seems to give a damn about and make it home? Yeah, so I suppose like in our program, um, which is like our political program, we do commit to like uh, offering practical support and guidance to people who do wish to do the same thing. Because like as, you know, we didn't just take over the house and say, Grand, that's it, let's all, you know, sit down and make some stew on the gas cooker. Like it is a political statement and it's that the time to act is now and that it is morally right in an extraordinary time of crisis to take extraordinary action. We don't live in ordinary times right now. So generally speaking, we'd um, recommend that people either visit our website, cym.ie, or they email us um, at cork at cym.ie, and we can offer some practical support and guidance, obviously within a certain legal limit. I understand that, because it would be a hard call to make on what property, and, and you know, I, I don't want to come across people listening that, where I would sound irresponsible, saying, okay, it is now time to break into an abandoned house, because that would be a <laughs> reckless thing to do. So how, how do you navigate through that? Uh, generally speaking, like what we would say is like you're looking at scouting a property that's in decent condition. Like if you're like you're not looking at taking something that's really going to, um, you know, like hamper, I don't know, everything you're trying to do. Like you're going to work in the morning and you're just thinking about the problems at the house all day. Um, but we would also say that like never, ever go for something owned by NAMA. Never, ever go for something owned by the council because you will be out violently faster than you can say squat. Yeah, oh yeah, I know. Never ever go in near anything that could be a risk to your health and safety. That's a danger. Yeah. 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 So does it break your hearts when you see the amount of abandoned buildings around Cork? Is it do you do you, do you look around, do you stroll around, do you see so many? I think even like going to work in the morning, I haven't a long commute to work, about half an hour walking and it's just everywhere. And you know, I think it's pure vandalism, like, to just leave these properties that are absolutely fantastic. You know, there's so much history in Cork and so much of it was lost through stuff like the burning of Cork. This is all we have left. And it's just completely being left to rot. When you start looking into buildings, their history is so, so interesting. And the fact that there's not more efforts being made to preserve it 
is absolutely heartbreaking. It is, you know, and, um, and the I longer they're well. abandoned and empty, of course, the worse condition they're in. The homes need to be lived in, don't they? Buildings need people. They need, you know, they, they probably also need light and heat to warm them up, but there's not a whole lot you can do about that. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Like, it's just it's just shocking seeing that, you know, there's what, like, uh, several thousand empty properties in Cork City alone, and we have over 430 homeless people in the county. That's basic math. That doesn't make any sense. And are you aware of the latest stat from the RTB, where notices to quit against tenants has doubled in a year? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm a member of uh, CATU, the Community Action Tenant Union, as well myself, and, like, uh, the calls that we've been getting from people are just getting worse and worse. Like landlords are getting so brazen, putting people in horrific positions. They literally know you're kicking out someone with two kids who's going to be homeless and can't go to the council. They don't care. I wonder why. Is that the real reason? I wonder is that because they just want to get out now because the property is worth more than it's been worth in a while and it's a good time to cash in, do you think? I do. I mean, this housing bubble, it's, it's going to burst like it's on its way. And I suppose if I was uh, a property investor, which I am not, obviously, um, I, I would probably be looking for a way out pretty mm, soon as well, mm, to be honest. Okay. But not a way out of Connolly HQ. Um, it's right next to the granary. As you, oh, sorry, you call it Connolly Barracks. Um, listen, you know when all of that um, construction, when the builders are out, I'd love to just pop around for a cup of tea. I'll even bring hot tea myself if you want. <laughs> We can make hot tea. We won't. Uh, we won't put you out that much. Okay. Well, I'll bring. I'll bring the buns and the cakes then. All right. <laughs> Let me know if you can make that happen. I'd love to call around for a chat and just uh, and sit and chat with some of the people living there, if that's possible. All right. Mind yourself, Rachel. Thanks for taking yeah, the call. Sure I hear. Oh, I just. Producer. Yeah. Thanks, I hear please. also you're growing. You're growing flowers and veg in the back. Yeah. So it's actually out the front. So you can see the planters if you all pass. We have squash. We have potatoes, we have broad beans, carrots, we had garlic, the beetroot didn't really come up. Some of the potatoes got blight, actually. Um, so that was a bit unfortunate. We were bringing it back. Um, but some of them were okay. <laughs> you brought blight to Ireland, God am I. <laughs> It's no. a learning curve, we'll say that uh, Listen, much. keep on trying. You'll master it eventually. Keep on trying. <laughs> All right, Rachel, enjoy the sunshine. Thanks for taking the call. Lovely to chat. Cheers. Take care. Thanks a million for having us on. All Bye. the best. Take care. Okay. Your thoughts on that are welcome. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. Use it or lose it, I suppose. Back after the break. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0868104106. Red. FM. A lot of responses to people's addresses as to where you live, and I will come back to that throughout the course of the morning. And I'll do some texts and emails in a few minutes' time, lads, if you don't mind. But just ahead of that, Paul, good morning. Good morning. Ah, uh, yes, indeedy. The old speed cameras. How many How many penalty points have you got? I've cracked six now in the last two weeks. Okay. In two weeks, you got uh, three sets, uh, two sets of three, was it? Uh, yes, yes, okay. yes. Speeding? And... Uh, um, well, I did. You wouldn't see it as speed. Go ahead, tell the, the story anyway. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Well, uh, on on the first occasion, I was heading to Fermoy, and yeah, the beginning of at the Dunkettle roundabout, there's lots of roadworks going on, um, and I believe that's the M8 motorway, which M8. my belief is 120 kilometres uh, speed limit there, you know, but apparently it's not. And uh, 
I've since found out that it's 100 kilometres an hour until you get to Glenmire Junction. Used to be 120 where you were caught? I, I'm not sure. I just always assumed that it was because, because it's a motorway. But here's my understanding of it. When you get on that and you start climbing the hill, right? It's, yes. It's, it's 100 for a portion of it and then it flips I'm open to correction on it, then it flips to 120 it, it's a bit it, like it the link flip it, to 120 it's a Glanmire exit it changes to 120 yeah. it is yes yes and I believe that while I was on the motorway that it was 120 you know I don't know so I, I don't I, know I, did you see any sign that said 100 well I, I when I rang and inquired about it uh, to the the office in Tupperware, Tipperary, he said to me that it was absolutely well signposted. Yeah. So I went, I went back up and had a look. Yeah. And there's only road signs on the ground, about two foot off the ground. So if you were overtaking anything, you wouldn't see them. And the, and the main one, which was standing, which would be standing up, the permanent one is painted out because of the roadworks. So when you pass the 40 kilometre zone, the 60 on the roadworks side of it, yeah, you you and you get the roadworks finish sign. You'd assume you're on the motorway back to motorway speeds. Well, you know what they say about the word "assume," don't you? It makes an ass out of you and me. That is very true. Okay. That, but then this this speed camera was down at the bottom of the hill before you claim. There's a, there's a fair portion. No, I'm just saying, Paul, there's a fair portion of it that's 100. Well past Sally Brook and everything. You know, the equivalent to Sally Brook, it's all 100. Yes, but yeah. this speed camera was hidden down at the bottom of the hill around the corner. Now, we were told when these speed cameras came out that there were to be a deterrent. They can't be a deterrent if they're hidden around the corner. And the same thing happened to be last, uh, not yesterday, but uh, previous Sunday. What happened with the other set? What happened with the other three penalty points? Well, I was on the Middleton Bypass, which a portion of that is 100. It is. And then it's 120. But there was a camera hidden behind uh, a road sign. You know, just absolutely not in view. Was it a van or was it a Garda? It was a van. Yeah. These were board vans. Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, these, these were, we were told that these were to be a deterrent. If they can't be seen, they can't be a deterrent. We were told they were going to be put on accident black spots. I don't, I travel them roads all the time. Never come across an accident there. I'm sure there has been, but it's certainly not a regular occurrence. Well, there has been accidents on both of them. Quite a number of them. I, oh, absolutely, I yeah. know, but they're supposed to be at the points where these accidents occurred. Now, I know there's been, but I mean, I wouldn't certainly wouldn't consider them accidents back spots. And, and and like these things are, you know, I've lived I've lived everywhere. I've lived in London, Canary Islands. I've lived all over Europe, and everywhere I live, everybody, all the police services all over the world, they want to stop you speeding. They want to stop you drink driving. Except in Ireland, they would have to say prefer to catch it. It's about catching you. It's about catching you, as opposed to making the road safe. Safer, you believe? Absolutely. Yeah, that is definitely. But they wouldn't be hidden around corners or behind. But we all we all know that they hide them and they put them in places where you won't see them until it's too late. That's the whole purpose of them, isn't it? 
but the purpose of them were to be a deterrent. You know, like when I but if you the see UK, them, in, if, if you, you see them in time, if you see them in time to be able to slow down and they don't catch you. They're useless then. They have to catch people, don't they? They have to catch people but who habitually no, speed. No, they don't. No? If, if, if they're at a point on the road where an accident is to occur, why are they waiting around the corner for another accident to occur? Why aren't they on this side uh, of the corner? No, I just, I put it, well, I just put it, I know that, but I just, well, people do flash each other and they slow down, which makes the Vigazzo van pointless. But the only reason I'm saying, I'm only playing devil's advocate with you. What I would say to you as a response to that is, they're hidden or they're around corners so that they will finally catch habitual speeders who just speed all of the time and they just want to teach them a lesson. Well, on both of these occasions, on the one in the the middle of my vest, I was doing 111 kilometres. I know. And the one on the M8, I was doing 114. You know, I mean, I would hardly, and I've never had them before. And they're they're popping up in places though where they're not seen. I mean, the the whole purpose of them was to change driver behavior. And if they're hidden around and only catch people, that's not changing. That's that's just catching them. If they're on this side of the corner, letting people know that there's a speed van there and this is a dangerous corner everybody's going to slow down when they see them and go around that corner safely. Yeah, and in fairness... But I they're d- waiting, around the, waiting around the corner, waiting to get you so that you might crash or whatever, and then you're, you know, defeats the purpose of them when they were supposed to be a deterrent. Now, all they're doing is, seems to be, is just catch somebody well you well i think did you you were confused on both occasions about what was 100 and what was one test just the people are saying you're going he was going too fast neil to see any of the signs uh you know open your eyes look at the information around you the signs are there you know i i am very aware of my surroundings exceptionally aware of my surroundings and on both of these occasions i did not see the van until it was too late because they were hidden they were there to catch me. They weren't there to deter me. They were there to catch me. And I mean, a uh, hundred... But they, it's the same thing to catch you, to deter you. Did you see what I'm saying? Well, I can't even argue these cases now. Because if, if, I, if I argue these cases in court, I risk getting 12 penalty points and be put off the road. So are you... No, I've never had penalty points before for speeding, yeah, ever. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm 52 years of age. I'm I'm driving all my life, and it's just now that it seems that their intention is to catch people rather than the third. And are you more cautious now at six? I I I I I, I am. Uh, I suppose. I, look, I I always believed I was. A no, no. I mean, it's a fair question to ask because that's the whole idea of penalty I know, points. When you're snaking up close to the nine and that, then that's when the real worry hits in, you know? It does. And it, the, the, problem, the, the problem is for me, like, I was at work in Middleton the day that I got caught up, play, I was playing music. And now the 120 euro fine is most of what my fee is gone. And with my expenses, I actually went out and worked for nothing that particular day. And, and do you, you think know, that, that, yeah. that's, that's just that's just the, the financial side of it? Yeah, the I know. Is the biggest worry. Yeah, you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, their their whole intention was to, was <laughs> was was to be visible and and to be seen, to, to so that drivers would would slow down at these particular points, but they're not. They're hiding them now. 
You know, I mean, there's nowhere else in the world <laughs> that I've lived, and I've lived in a lot of places, where somebody jumps out of a ditch with a fucking speed camera. But you find that a regular occurrence here in Ireland. I can't say that it you doesn't know, happen I mean, in other countries. I don't know whether it does or not. Well, uh, I think they might have well, fixed I, cameras, I, I, perhaps. I, yeah, I lived in five different other countries, so five different other areas, and I've never seen this kind of behaviour. So it wouldn't be fair you know, to... There, so, there, there, I know there, that. There is speed, speed checks, but they're always very visible. And they're never... They're on, uh, on the side of the corner, you can see... They're never hiding around the corner, but, ready to pounce. But would, can I just know, because I'll let you go at this point, but if, if if you could have seen it and still got penalty points, you'd have been happier, would you? Is that what you're saying? Well, I wouldn't see it all automatically when you see them, you, you, you slow down. But you'll you never catch speeding drivers that way, because if they can always see them and always slow down... But, what, but, but, you're, but you're the, point, the point of these uh, mobile cameras was to, was to be a deterrent. Mm. You know, if they, if they want What's to the catch pr- us, or why do they go back to the guard standing in the hedge jumping out? I know. I'm if, if they want to catch us, and the guards still do that, but the point of the cameras were to be seen. To, to change driver behaviour so that that but what's the point in having them if they can be seen and you can slow down and you don't get caught or finding a three penalty points a wasted exercise when I mean, you admitted that you now have six penalty points and you're more cautious but the point about it is that, that we were told when they were introduced that that was not their purpose their purpose was not to catch people speeding their purpose was to change people's habits Many people are angry and annoyed you know, that and it's and unfair and that it's an off. It's just that well, they, are, they are hidden. That, the last yeah. few weeks. Yeah, yeah there weren't, there were never, we were told to be high visibility stickers on them. There's not. They're the same stickers that are on any council van. And uh, like they, they do not illuminate like the guards of a fire engine or the ambulance do. We were told they would have them high visibility stickers. They don't. We were told they'd be put in places where they can be seen. You'd be, yeah, wasting, they're, yeah, they're okay. You'd be wasting your time appealing that anyway because you were you were done for doing um, over 100 in 100 areas. So you're never going to win that anyway if you did appeal. You're not going to appeal on, on the basis successfully of saying that you couldn't see it in time. That that won't get you off the hook. Well, it's, but, well I, but the, I, I, the point about it is that they're supposed to be able to see them. Mm. That is what they told us. Yeah, I don't know about that. They told us when they introduced these, yes, that they were supposed to be a deterrent. I don't know that they're supposed to be seen, but they're they're unfairly positioned a lot of the time where it goes from 100 to 60 really quickly. They're just inside the 60 and people are getting... But but, but that's the very point, though, of both of these cameras, right? They were just at the points in the road just before they changed to 120. Yeah, 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 yeah. Where where people might think they're at 120 anyway. They're at the points in the road where they're just before they change to one to it. Okay, all right. Let you me plow on. You don't, you don't put a camera there unless you deliberately want to get uh, That's why many people are annoyed about that. It's the positioning of them. Not so much yeah. the visibility. Well, yeah, the visibility, don't get me wrong. But it's the 100 to 60. Oh, there's one that I come across all the time. Very sneaky Gatso van. It's where the 60 turns to a 50. I think that's a horrible place because they're really catching loads of people there. But that's exactly why they're there. Yeah. They're there to catch people. All right, you let's know? get some more and, thoughts and on it. Let's get some more thoughts on it. Appreciate yep. you taking the Thank call. Cheers. Much. And mind yourself, safe driving. Thanks. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. Back after the break. Talk 
to Neil Prendeville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. On a lighter note, um, over on my Twitter page, uh, if you're following on Twitter, you might have seen a giant 3,000 gram bag of Haribo giant straws. Uh, the lads, in particular Claire, who I don't know how sweet a tooth she has, but she has a sweet tooth for Haribo giant straws. And I was going to the shop one day last week. And I asked, does anybody want anything? And that's what she asked for, Haribo Giant Straws. So I managed to get my hands on the three kilo size. I don't know how many's in them. There's clearly hundreds and hundreds of these things. Added to the fact that they're giant sweets as well. Giant straws. Bait the sugar into you, lads. So we were thinking about it and uh, everybody then got discussing how many straws are actually in that bag. Uh, so... We, we stopped short of counting them. We kind of did the, the maths on each one weighs X amount of grams. This is the size of all of them, so you should be able to technically work out how many straws are in it. So we said we'd have a bit of fun with them. Uh, so we posted on my Twitter page the 3,000 gram bag of Haribo giant straws. She wants to get this done so that she can get eating them and everybody else can start eating them as well. So up on Twitter, we're asking people to guess how many giant straws are in the bag of Haribo giant straws. Um, if you can guess the amount uh, on our Twitter page, then we'll give away some family passes to those wonderful tourist attractions that we have. I might even be able to throw in a 3,000 euro bag, 3,000 gram bag, I should say, of Haribo straws as well. So if you get the number bang on, and, and Claire tells me she's actually counting the straws in the bag right now, uh, get onto Twitter and have a guess. Check it out. Go to Neil, go to at Neil Red FM on Twitter and give us your guess as to how many individual straw sweets or in the three kilo bag. Even Haribo got involved in the conversation. They said, now that's what we call a bag of Haribo. The perfect pack for a community picnic. A community picnic? Be a big picnic. There's a lot of feeding inside in that bag of Haribos. Um, giant straw. So go on to my Twitter. Um, have a guess. How many's in the bag? You never know. You might win yourself a 3,000 gram bag, plus some family passes for great Cork tourist attractions. Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from four for Dave Max Drive, where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from four. Dave Max Drive. 104 to 106 Red FM This is the Neil Frienderville Show Take a few different forecasts and try and work out my own forecast in the morning I only mentioned that actually because I put my forecast which is a handwritten forecast up on my Instagram this morning it says my on-air forecast very scientific isn't it? Let's see if I'm right and it has a handwritten forecast I was just looking at it there earlier on and my sh- my writing is absolutely shocking I have atrocious writing I mean, I hope to God you can make it out. I can read it. I can understand it because I've been living with it for years. But I wrote down the word Friday, which looks like a trad. It actually looks like the word trad or tig. Tig, it looks like. It's actually Friday, but it looks like tig. So tig 29. Tiger is 29 years old. Actually means Friday will be 29 degrees. Anyway, it's up there. If you want to see some shocking writing, check out my Instagram page. Um, you know, talking about uh, addresses as we were on Friday, um, and this had to do with whether or not, is Jacob's Island in Mahan or is Jacob Island in Blackrock? It was a bit like when we were talking about the changes to Toker and areas of Wilton uh, overnight had signs on them saying, welcome to Toker. That was years back and people got... 
very antsy about that. But I was mentioning, and Kevin didn't know anything about it, that back in, you're all right, you can put it away. Back in the day, uh, people were being advised, do not put down the Northside address if you're applying for a job in Cork. You really need to put down a Southside address. Um, and I was got a text of the weekend from a, a pal of mine who hired an awful lot of people down through the years he really did and he said when I came to Cork in 1989 as manager of a particular business I was told by the chairman of the business in 1989 not to interview anyone with the north side address uh, I had no idea what he meant at the time see what I mean Kevin when I tell you that's the way it was I, I'm assuming it's not that way anymore uh, I remember being in school Neil being told to use your address wisely in an interview I was from Mount Farman and was told never put Blackpool as your address the best I've ever seen is Castle Meadows it's right in the heart of Mahan but the builders when they sold them 20 years ago used Ski Hard Road as the address it's next to the graveyard on the main road but people living there get very bad if you ever say Mahan it's literally in the heart of Mahan and I find it so funny they tell me the Ski Hard Road got a hell of a lot longer when I wasn't paying attention. Uh, I know people who live in Passage West, but they like to say they're from the lower Rochestown Road. Jacob's Island, Neil, is in Mahan. It's just on the other side of Blackrock Castle. You see how you've confused everybody? If it's next to Blackrock Castle, how could it be in Mahan and not Blackrock? Anyway, I had a house in Ballancolic and I tried to sell it in 1984. It was for sale for three years. Not sure what the price was then, but it'd be about 400 grand now. It was uh, a big no-no to live in Ballancolic in the 80s, but look at it now. Another one. I live in the Silver Heights area and would consider it Mayfield because it's Mayfield. But you'd get some people who would say they're from Tivoli. Mayfield Church is just over the road. It's not Tivoli. Do you ever see the Cork people who don't say Tivoli? They say Tiffoli. Tiffoli. I love that. Uh, keep those coming. Text 0868104106. And the guy was down on the, on the Mal cycle on the bike last week and this big gold wing pulled up. Two people on it. And they had the music turned up good and loud. It was fantastic. They were playing heavy metal. It was fantastic to see as they were, you know, stro- you know just kind of edging their way down the mile on a big, big bike. On the topic of the Goldwing with the, Goldwing with the metal music, I think he's from Yall. I saw a guy going up the main street in Yall on his bike playing Ramstein. Am I pronouncing that right? Ramstein? Loud as hell. He's one cool rocker, says PJ Don Yallway. So thank you for that. Uh, what else have we got for you text-wise? Yeah, I'll, co- I'll come back to these. i tell you what, I go back to the phone lines, come back to text again between now and midday today. Uh, Des, good morning. Morning. So, you know what? Speed cameras, Gatso vans, speeding, it's like a red rag to a bull. Penalty points. <laughs> so I could talk for all week on it. Anyway, go ahead. Well, I was going up to the north of Ireland to see my dad. Right? Yeah. And I went on to the M50. And it was, sign says 120. Then all of a sudden, there's another sign over a bridge saying 80. Now, there was a cop van behind me, like small little dinky thing. Right, but he planned the lights and the sirens, and he pulled me over. So I pulled over. This right. is on the Irish and side now, is it? Oh, the Irish side, yeah, okay. the M50, yeah. heading to North Ireland. Okay. Right, so I pulled over. He came behind me, and he checked my tax and my insurance, the whole shebang. That was all good. And he said, driving license. I said, branch, no problem. So I took up my wallet, and I gave him my driving license. But I also have a gun license. Okay. And that gun license shows the crest of the Garda Shikana. 
right? And he said to me, are you a cop? I said, I didn't say anything. And he said, the F word. I'm late for a meeting. So go on away, go slow. Who's and late for the said, meeting now? Did, did you say you're late it, for the meeting or he said? He said he was late for a meeting with oh. cop. <laughs> That's code for one guard to another, is it? Yeah. <laughs> I'm late for a meeting. And he said to me, go slow. Because he thought I was a cop. Well, he said, you're a effing cop. <laughs> I said nothing. Do guards call each other cops then, yeah? Well, I don't know. That's what he said to me, anyway. I just had the gun license. <laughs> what it did you say? Opened. What did you did you say anything to him when he did that? Not at all. I didn't want to get picking the fine. Should you I say do? to him, I'm not a guard, I'm not a guard. Give me my yeah, you got, you got you got a fine and you get points on your license, fact <laughs> that. He doesn't mean? know the he didn't know the difference between a guard a badge or whatever it is they carry and a gun license. No. no. <laughs> Honestly, he didn't, didn't he? Well, do you think that? Do you think that what he did was right, or do you think that it's morally wrong, or do you think they should be doing it or not doing it? Well, if you can get away with it, how bad? You know. But so, like the sign one twenty now, and sudden you go just up a small bit. You know, like you go from your front door, say your office door from the Red FM front door to the gate and all of a sudden there's a sign saying 80. How are you supposed to slap on the brakes and there's another car doing 120 behind you? I know what you're saying, yeah. I know. I understand that, but I can't... That that sign, that sign's actually gone. No, that 80 is actually gone. Okay. I've kind of moved on to that, uh, away from that actually. I'm I'm back with the the Garda logo in your wallet, right? Yeah. yeah. So, do, do we... Should we assume then that if, if a guard on duty stops a guard off duty, the off duty guard gets told carry on? Well, well I, I'm not a guard, I just have a gun license. <laughs> you know? Maybe that should be, I mean, I know it's, it's serious that you shouldn't have guardy speeding either, but some might suggest that's the perks of the job, you know? Well, see, the guards get away with everything, you know? They, I mean, like, they can, they do. I mean, like, they, look outside the courthouse. Court they pack up in the footpath. <laughs> Even the judges do. No, no, they're barristers and solicitors. Ah, uh, yeah, but yeah, but they they're don't judges. Get a ticket, but they don't get a ticket, Neil. No, but, but they're if not. If I did it, if I did it, and you did it, you get a ticket ga- straight away. Guarded cars are entitled to park outside courthouses. Yeah, but barristers aren't. And how will they get away? That's with the it? difference. I agree with you. 100%. Did you hear about the the characters that were members of on Guarded Chicago? Correct me if I'm wrong. And they, they just abandoned the guard a car at Cork Air, at Dublin Airport. Did you see that? And went off on their holidays. <laughs> oh, no, just, no, unfortunately not, no. They just left it there. Yeah. Well, if you're so irate about people getting off for things, you should have told them. I only have what? a gun license. I'm not a guard. Ah, no, 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 no. <laughs> why, why spill the beans? No. <laughs> and they, it's all right for some, like, you know, they can fork out the money and pay for their fine and and get the three points in their license, but take that. You know? No, no. I was only going up to the north of Ireland to see my, my, my dad in hospital, you know? <laughs> okay. Hang on to that gun license. It's valuable in more ways than oh, one. I'm telling you, I still have it. <laughs> it's inside. It's sitting inside in the wallet and what? it's showing. What do you shoot? <laughs> I don't, well, the gun is well gone. There's only um, uh, one point, it's a 
And what did a crow or a pigeon ever do to you that you were going around shooting them? Well, pigeons are called flying rats. That's only because somebody came up with that name. Yeah, that's the buddy. But, but and, and shooting rats. There's plenty of rats around here. <laughs> I live in a farm. I live in a farm renting a house and there's a farm next to me and there's plenty of rats around. <laughs> Okay. So I shoot them. All right, Des. If All I right. had, if I still had the gun, but I got rid of the gun, I have to get another one. Actually, you have to get another one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You miss it, you know. To control the rat population, is it? Oh, of course. Yeah. Right. I mean, like rats breed like anything. They're like worse than rats. They're worse than rabbits. You know that they say that no. Right now, every single one of us in the world, they say, or certainly in Ireland, anyway, is only seven feet from a rat. That's true. Is it really? Oh, it is, yeah. I mean, there's rats everywhere. Is there, and so, within seven, within seven feet of the studio that I'm sitting in, under the floorboards or maybe in the ceiling, which is a drop ceiling, there's a rat. There is. Guaranteed. <laughs> and you probably sit next to a rat as well. <laughs> no. <laughs> Only the loveliest of people work with me. Go on, Des. Good luck. Oh, come here to me, Neil. Any pizza vouchers? Pizza, no. Pizzas are welcome, pal. We've moved on from pizza, but stay, uh, stay well, listening. Anything on... else? Anything else? <laughs> come on. You might win a few Haribo sweets a little later on, or maybe a family pass to a tourist attraction. Who knows? Oh, fantastic. Yeah, myself and my daughter will love that. Where would you like to go? What do you have, my man? You're catching me on the hop now. I don't have a list of them here. What have I got? I've got Michael Collins House, Cove Heritage Centre, Camden Fort Mar, Skibbereen Heritage Centre, York Clockgate Tower, Photo Wildlife Park, Leahy's Farm, UCC. Photo Wildlife Park, okay, please. I'll put, I'll put you down for a family pass. Assuming I have them now, everything comes with a caveat. You might have to show your garden logo going in there. Well, that's not a bother. Hang on that's a second. No Photo's gone, so I'll continue with the list. Leahy's Farm, UCC, Blackrock Castle Observatory, Cork City Jail, West Cork Secret. Do you like Do you like swimming around and bathing in mud? Clonakilty Blackpool vi- Black Pudding Visitor Centre, Shandon Bells. you ever ring the Shandon Bells? No, no, I haven't. No. All right, do, do any of those tickle your fancy? Titanic Experience, uh, Perks, Perks Family Entertainment in Yall, the old, Clo- the old Cork Waterworks, West Cork Model Re- Village Railway, they're gone. Any of those? Farm. Farm. Leahy's Farm. Do not bring a gun. I won't. Jesus, no. All right. No. Okay. All right. Stay on hold. Thanks for listening. Cheers for Bye. now. Text 0868104106. Good call. Let's sort him out there. We can sort out a family pass for him. I think he said Leahy's Farm. There's a couple actually. See a second one actually that we've got stuff for, which is called The Farm in Granada. Um, uh, Titanic Experience has been ad- added to the list, lads. Alihi's Copper Mine Museum has been added to the list, and Perks Family Entertainment Centre as well. So we'll do those. Uh, put it back there for now. We'll do those just this side of midday today. Uh, back to the phone lines. Barry, good morning. Morning, Neil. How are you doing? Follow Des. What you make of that? Did you ever hear of that? Guards stopping guards and tell them to drive on. It's yeah, sp- but don't. I, I, I don't know. I'd be the same as him anyway. I wouldn't be admitting that I had a. A kind of a marquee guard license. It would be hard for a guard not to prosecute a fellow. You know, it would be hard for a guard to prosecute a fellow guard, wouldn't 
I suppose, yeah, I suppose you'd be kind of, you'd be, you'd be really betraying the, yeah, the, be, the, the colour of us, wouldn't you? Yeah, well, it'd be that and it would be embarrassing too, because it's mm. a hard call. Either you're a speeder and you're a guard or you're a speeder and you're not a guard. It shouldn't really matter. Mm. But anyway, maybe that's mm. for another day. Go ahead anyway. What, what's the story with, with Yeah, speeding? no, I, I, I was, I was just going to say that I, I disagreed with your opinion on the last caller. So not, not that just gone up with the guy just before the news, you know, that you were saying that, um, you know, the objective is to, is to give people points. But I mean, I, that, I think that's entirely wrong like it's but like that's almost cynical i mean the objective is to save lives and to slow people down you know and to make the road safer so i mean if there's like if there's cameras on the side of the road or vans on the side of the road or, or cops standing on the side of the road like the, the more visible the better because then the objective is complete people slow down and you know there's, there's less accidents you know that like that's that's what we have to believe and that, that's what connor Falkland there on ada road which is always saying like you know that the main objective is to make the road safer and I mean, if we're going to just think that the main objective is to give people points and to find people, well, then we're just being cynical, you know? Yeah, I, I, I 100% listen to every single word you're saying there. And, and, but I'm, I'm still seeing it differently to you, weirdly. Mm. Maybe I'm the only person that is seeing it differently. Yeah. Did, did you notice um, that, was it, who was on there? It was Paul, wasn't it? Paul, he, he now drives slower and more cautiously because he was caught twice, got six penalty yeah. points and two fines. Absolutely, there you go. But like that's you know, but I, I, I suppose he's unlucky. You know, with his with his fines and his points. Like I have three points myself. Like, but I mean, when I when I got the points, I kind of said, "Ah, oh, yeah, look, come here, cop on now." You know, and be, and it's because I was speeding. Like, and I, you know, I was I think I was um, I just one one ten in the hundred zone or something like that. Like, and you know, like it did kind of you know, you know, kind of make me cop on. I said, you know, slow down. That's. You know, the, the, the so how would that work there. if you could always see them and you slow down and you're never caught? How yeah, but you see, they're, like, they're, they're always, like, like they, they broadcast where they are. Like, I mean, they, they, like you, you didn't find out they announced kind of where, um, where locations are going to be. And these locations are where accidents have happened, isn't it? And where, where, where people have been killed. So, I, I mean, would like, not know it, where to look. Uh, they're never in this... They move them around, though. They do move them around, yeah. But I mean, like, you know, you can. I, I, I'm sure there's groups online there that kind of, you know, that kind of pass locations between each other, like, and you know, so oh, there's a cop car here, a cop car here, a gato yeah. here. Yeah. But I mean, but like, if that slows people down, well and good. That, that's 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 what you want. Do you know what I mean? Like, if you know, if, if if we if we have the opinion that oh, they're just trying to generate money or they're just trying to give everybody, you know, points and catch everybody, that's that's just us being cynical. You know, I, I think if it, like, irrespective of how they do it, if it makes people slow down and it makes the road safer, well, then that's subject. But so how you disagree with me then? At what point do you disagree? That, let, well, let because me, I think you, like your, your opinion was that they're hiding the ditches trying to give, trying to, you know, give people points, isn't it? No, he, he, was, he was saying that he didn't see it. And I'm saying, of course you didn't see it. If you could have seen it and slowed down, it would have been no point being there. Yeah, true. Yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, your point, your opinion was then they have to be hidden because then they have to be hidden because if they're not hidden, then well, then they can't give people points. I'm saying that the, the the reason behind them is that they have to catch people who are yeah. habitually speeders and have never been caught until then. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, and I mean, I, and, and I mean, my my I like my opinion then is like I I, I don't care how people are slowed down. You know, if they're if people if people think, see it see a sign that says there's a gato up the road, or if they if they see the gato, or if they see a guard standing up out in the margin, like with his gun pointing straight at you, like and, and you slow down, I think that's objective achieved. 
you know, and I mean, if anybody thinks that they're just kind of hiding in the in the ditches in order to give people points, you know, I I think I just think that's cynical. But you and you're okay with them hiding people getting penalty points and a fine from a hidden cop with a gun or a hidden gatso down a kind of like a little half a boreen kind of. You're all right with all of that. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm not okay with them hiding. I'm. Kind of, I'm. I'm saying like even the guards should be not hiding. They should be standing out there in the margin with their gun because that'll just that'll slow people down. It, it shouldn't matter whether people are accruing points or, you know, or, or whether there's fines building up. Like so, is it your object. your main point is stop hiding? Um, no, yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, I, yeah. Like I mean, just stand out in the road, be completely visible. They're, all the cameras should be visible. You know, all the gatses should be visible. Gotcha. There should be nobody. You know, yeah. and like, uh, and if 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 they're visible of the the length and breadth of the roads all the way up and down the country, people will settle. Okay, because, okay, you know. Okay, I'm going to get some more thoughts. Like, just one final question for you, and it's 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 a fairly straightforward. Do you do you flash people warning them that there's a gatso van ahead or there's a guard with a gun? I mean, like, not not all the time, but I mean, I wouldn't have any objective against it, objection against it either. You know, because that that still slows somebody down. Do you know what I mean? Because I, I, mean, uh, I do. Yeah. I do. Yeah, and, 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 and that will slow down. Like, I mean, if you see somebody flaking on the roads towards you and you know he's going over 100, I mean, and you and you flash the lights, whether you're flashing the lights so that he doesn't get points or whether he doesn't get a point, a fine, or, 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 or to make him slow down, you know, they, he's still slowing down. So that's, that's objective achieved. I just think it's kind of, it's it's driver code, isn't it? We we all do it. Or it is kind of, yeah, yeah. yeah it is kind of like, and so sometimes there you're driving up the road and you, and you see a, you know, you see a gato and you kind of say, ah, that snake, you know, it's like, it's like it's really tucked in there. Like, you know, so you might flash somebody coming that's against it. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, but, yeah. But, but, but like, the, you're still slowing them down. Because th- some people would say, and I've discussed this in the year before, that w- nobody should do that. You should not mm. warn other motorists coming against you if they're doing, yeah. you know, 180 or 130 and 100 or whatever, you should just let them take their own medicine yeah. and get caught. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and I suppose if they get caught then, like, they might take their own medicine and slow them down themselves. But, you know, I mean, if if, if you flash them, they slow down, they're still slowing down. All right, let's see what other people think of it. Appreciate yeah. you taking the well, call, and, Barry. And, and Neil, and Neil, yeah. Neil uh, Cam, Camden Ford Marriott, yeah? that would be a really nice one off me. <laughs> my, 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 fam, my family would love that one now. <laughs> you fair place, you boy. You could have. What size neck have you got? 18? 18 ah, inch neck? What happened? There's traders. I might as well try it as well. Like. Oh, jeez. I'm scrambling here trying to find the list. Camden. Uh, do, well, I make, I mean, you don't need the list. Camden Ford Marathon. Is, but you see, they might be gone. I'll tell you what I do. Oh, I'll put great. you on hold and you can pick one. Great. From the list, okay. but as to and if Camden Fort Mar is free, I'll give you I'll give you family pass for Camden Fort Mar. All right. Brilliant. Thank you. Uh, if you don't ask, you don't get. Cheers, Barry. Take uh, care. Absolutely. Take care. Take Look. care. Text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. By the time I get to uh, ten to twelve, when I was supposed to give the passes away, they'll all be gone. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. Oh eight one eight one zero four one zero six. Red FM. Uh, research on Friday's program so it's told us that uh, going on holidays, women take six pairs of shoes, six pairs of shoes, and they broke them down into the different shoes that they need for all the different events. Um, and I was saying, uh, men don't. Men take somewhere between two and three. Um, I could I could go on holidays for two or three weeks, no bother at all with a ten kg bag. Not a, not a bother. Uh, text here: When packing, especially hand luggage, I sort shoes first. 
One pair of walking shoes, one pair of going out shoes, one pair of beach sandals. All clothes must then go with these shoes accordingly, says Mary. Well, absolutely, you have to fashion and colour coordinate, I get that. Morning, I'm sitting here in Lanzarote listening to a show about holidays while the wife Elaine packs the bags. (laughs) Really? She's doing your packing. I've got a 10 kg bag and herself has a 30 kg bag. So just for the fun of it, give her a mention on your show. Morning, Elaine. You might well be back. If they were packing the bags in Lanzarote, you're probably home at this stage. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. And then with regards to issues down in Yall, what the quality hotel Yall has done in taking 12 million will come back to bite them. In business, it's better to make 100 tenors than one 100 euro, says Pat, in the sense that um, maybe people will remember when refugees have gone back to Ukraine. Um, Yall is dead on the ground due to the amount of refugees now living there. These people, these people, I hate that term, these people are all over the boardwalk vaping and drinking and uh, it's now littered with clothes since their arrival as well. I understand the need to take some in, but we have done way too much. We have overdone it. Uh, They have been given free homes, medical cards, phones, etc. And we can't afford to keep this up. The rumour locally is that a particular camp down here is to be filled with refugees next month. And this has to stop. And that by text. I don't know if other people in Yall might like to jump on on that. Jump in on that. What is the state of play on the boardwalk area of Yall? I was listening to the show this morning. Myself and my husband went to that lady's aid, uh, Sinead. Uh, She was shaking like a leaf. Uh, This is... Sinead, who was sitting on the beach when this character came up way too close and got very vocally abusive to her. Uh, Myself and my husband went to the lady's aid. She was shaking like a leaf. He'd already been staring us out earlier. We're just glad she's okay, and we hope that it won't deter her from travelling to y'all as it appears to have many memories memories for her, uh, just like us. We have a mobile home in y'all and holiday all the time. Sinead will be delighted to hear, Cathy, that you got in touch because she might want to reach out again and say... Thank you. You are the couple who came to her aid on that day when she was with her children and well done for doing it. Big response then to Brian and Sarah's wedding. Brian, of course, uh, we played his rap song to Sarah uh, Sarah on air on Friday. It was just a wonderful moment. Hope the wedding went well for you guys. Uh, Wow. Um, Fantastic song. That's the most romantic thing I've ever witnessed. They both sound like lovely people and I wish them the best for their future and everything. You should play that song a lot more. I agree. Dancing around my kitchen listening to that song, making pancakes. I felt as if I was going to the wedding myself. Rather you than me. <laughs> anyway, can I just turn back? No, no, I'm not talking about their wedding. I'm just talking about weddings in general. Don't get me wrong. Okay, um, Bishop Lucy Park. Videos appeared online. A group of youths harassing a tourist in Bishop Lucy Park. The footage was uploaded on social media at the weekend and has been viewed by uh, at least 150,000 times. It shows one character throwing a bottle full of liquid at the tourist before running off. That's just the broad description to it. Uh, there's a lot more going on than that, actually. Um, and it uh, it's a worry, really, isn't it? Um, with regards to uh, what's happening in our city, particularly when the sun is shining and the type of people that are out and about. You know the, you know the characters involved in this video. It'll be the guys with the, you know... <sighs> well, I get grief if I describe what they were wearing, probably. A tracksuit bottoms and a hoodie with the hood up. You know the kind of ones. Um, 
and that isn't to be disparaging as to everybody that wears tracksuits, but just give you a description of them. They hang around in Bishop Lucy Park or areas like that. It could be Fitzgerald's Park or just marauding around the streets of the city. Dan, good morning. Good morning, sir. How are you? Did you see it? I saw the video. Not a bit shocked. Why aren't you shocked? Well, it just seems to be... You know, it's happening more and more. You every every week or so, you see a different video from Paul Street, Patrick Street, top of Patrick Street by the statue, Bishop Lucy Park, the skate park, and down around there. And it's just a, it, it just seems to be a an ongoing thing that's just kind of getting worse and worse as time goes on. And do you have any idea as to why? In this case, the tourist or another individual whips out the phone and films them doing what they're doing. I mean, they're literally throwing stuff at, at this person. Well, I suppose that, that just seems to be the go-to move for everybody these days. You know, you're inside in a restaurant and someone starts screaming at us, or take out your phone and record it. You pass a car crash, take out your phone and record it. Somebody shouts, start shouting at somebody else that you have nothing to do with, take out your phone and record it. That's just, that's just, you know the done thing nowadays. Yeah, that that you know, that that's a I don't know that a millennial Gen Z thing. Just, yeah, you know, see, well, yeah. So there's a bu- th- this is a there's a bunch of them, right? And they kind of maraud in packs. Is that what you're saying? Well, I mean, look, we all hung out in gangs, and I want to say I use the word gang as in more than one person at a time. I mean, you know, I am from Crosshaven, there was like eight or nine of us that would kind of go about the place, but we were all known to the locals, so, you know, when we were walking around the place, nobody was intimidated by it, it was just like, oh, you know, there's, there's Dan and, you know, the rest of the, you know, the rest of the kids going around the place and nobody batted and they at us. The difference now is that, well, <laughs> so going back to my original point of what I said in the comment back then is, we knew if we stepped out of line, we were going to get a hiding off the guards or we were going to get a hiding off our parents when we got home for acting like maggots. Those were the two things. That, that, those were the two eventualities of bad behaviour. What, what do you think happened there? Uh, it's a bottle full of... Uh, they're literally throwing stuff at this person, right? What are they oh, throwing? Yeah, but it, it could be... Look, in that case, anything to hand. You know, disposed of cans because that's, you know, a, a place that's well known for we say drinking of those who are of age and underage and those poor unfortunates who have a dependence all of the above yeah. and alcohol yeah. Yeah, all of, any, any, the honest answer to that is anything to hand yeah. you know yeah it's interesting because uh, I'm from Waterford Neil I have to say lately when I visit Cork City the atmosphere there has changed a lot for the worse the city centre has gone very tense it's becoming more and more like Dublin city centre. Gone is the friendly personality of Cork people. I don't feel safe there anymore, says Noel from Waterford. Is he right? Well, I mean, that, that's a, well, I think that's a fair statement. Uh, and, and it comes back to, you know, what you, what you researched on, it was, it's, it's a lack of consequences. It's an absolute lack of consequences for the youth and for the teenagers. And, and you're, you're going to see it getting worse and worse until we kind of roll back the clock a lot of it and you know do we need more is it back to we need more Gardaí is there security in Bishop Lucy Park is there security in Fitzgerald Park is there security at the skate park which is another pinch point it, it's more of a case of the guards actually have to be able to intervene and do something now I, I've heard stories of guards you know approaching these gangs and saying look you know stop doing that and the gangs responding well if you put your hands on me I'm going to say that you touch me inappropriately and I will sue you or you can't touch me I'm a minor you know child protection I'll call you know I'll, I'll do whatever I have to do 
you know that 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 is the the, the go to these days. And I actually have first hand first hand experience of hearing it myself. No, Who would want to well, be a guard just, having to work under those circumstances? So this, so this is exactly my point: is that you know, in back you know in in old God's time when I was when I was a teenager, like you you did not screw with the guards. You just didn't. You didn't do it. There's no fear. There's no fear because there's no consequences. And if there are no consequences, all you get is antisocial behaviour. And is that the is that the reason now that there's research out which says that? Um, and I've quite I've quite a lot a lot of it that says over half of modern parents these are the parents of children today said very few or no rules for their children or they are inconsistent in their rules for their children. There is definitely something to be said for that. But if you go on, if you go on Instagram or if you go on any of the social medias, all you have now is 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 the the modern child psychologist saying, "Well, oh, you have to sit down and you have to talk to your child, talk to a five and six year old, as if you're an adult, and explain to them why they did what was wrong was wrong." Like kids, kids aren't socialized until they're late teens. Men don't mature until they're mid twenties. Our brains are stupid until we hit twenty four, and we'll do stupid things because we don't know any better. We don't have any concept of long term consequences. The, the, the more so is, than more so than women. I think there is research from, to say that a, men are slower. From a psychological stored. standpoint, yeah, that yeah. is absolutely true. That women's brains mature faster than men. But, they, they, but, but, but this research said that. Half of modern parents, um, it's, it's quite interesting, they have a relaxed approach to raising children. They have a modern parenting style that is more lenient than previous generations. And I asked the question, how is that working out for us? <laughs> but in the day, back in the day, you got leathered. There was forms of child abuse going on, brutality. The beatings oh, were yeah. shocking sometimes. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And, and there's no excuse for abusing a child in any situation. But discipline and abuse are two different things. Now, my parents never raised a hand to me, never had to, because I respected them both. And if I was told to do something, I did it. But, you know, every single human being and every single child is different. And I do think from, you know, my, my, my years of experience as a 36-year-old man, that, you know, fear is a great motivator. And a, and, a, and a healthy dose of fear can do a person an awful lot of good. If okay, I'll, I'll, I'll come back to the I'll come back to the, the healthy dose of fear in a second. But are you a parent? No. Ah, well, now. Boss, I but again the, the main what well, 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 I had well. I had two wonderful parents, Neil. I well, had two absolutely wonderful parents. My father passed away in 2013. Was an absolute gent of a I'm man. I'm sure he was, and I'm delighted you have fond memories. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and how so I, know, I know what good I know what good parenting looks like from example. Well, having not been through it, do you think you know what it's about? Well, here's here's the thing. I mean, you know, I don't I don't have to you know I don't have to be a dog to understand what you know urinating outside looks like. You know, I have a brain, I have an IQ in triple digits, and I I can I can you know look and see what's going on and 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 and, and posture and, and you know. No, you can't extrapolate. From no, that. you can't.
one of the most difficult jobs there are in the world. But at the same time, the consequence of lack of parenting is what we're seeing in, in, in days gone by. And I don't have to be a parent to understand, you know, what when, when someone's not doing a job properly. You know, you don't have to be a child psychologist to understand, yeah. you know, that okay. lack of I know what you're saying. I know, reason, I know. You know? And some people say you're probably lucky because you're not, you won't be riddled with the guilt. The guilt of how I should have done it better. I should have done it differently. Uh, actually, one of the guilt trips that a parent will have is, I should have been easier about this. I shouldn't have got so worked up about that. I shouldn't have taken that as seriously as I did. It didn't matter. Why did I do that? Well, I, 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 I'll say fair enough that there's a point to be made there. But I mean, if you're talking about, oh, you know, they, t- you know, they, they, they broke a vase and I grounded them for a month because I liked that vase. It was given to me by, you know, a, a, one of my old relatives or whatever. Exactly. And that's a bit excessive. But if the child has been brought home by the guards and you're just Eric going up to your room there, no, I don't want to see you for the rest of the night. What the hell use is that? So exactly my point. I don't have to be a parent to understand. I know, yeah. Was, I know. Well. I know of a story where some kid robbed something from somebody, right? And when the fellow who had something robbed brought the went around to the house, the dad lied, right? Yeah. The dad lied, just absolutely one hundred percent. Whereas what he should have done is he should have taken it seriously, admonished his son, told him what was right and wrong about it, rather than covering and lying. So he became an accessory Absolutely. to the crime, if you like. That's the kind, you know, um, that, that's, that's that child's on a, if that doesn't change, then that kid's on the road to nowhere. Because there are no consequences. He, because if it happens like that, he now knows, well, if I take something again, that's not going to do anything. So what the hell do I care? So I just do what I want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just wonder what people think that, uh, listen, I love your call and I, it's great chatting with you, but when you don't have skin in the game, all you can look at it is through your parents' eyes, not you as a parent yourself. And while it is fantastic and God knows with great memories, but you have to navigate through it to kind of get how tough it can be. And that's why they're saying that modern parenting styles are much more lenient than previous generations. It's actually quite cutting for parents of an older age to read this research. I can go into further details if people want. Three quarters of modern parents believe uh, that they make more of an effort to spend proper quality time with their children than their, than their parents did with them. I mean, it's a very hurtful thing to say. I can, it can definitely sound like that. I suppose uh, I had the opposite problem. My mother and father wanted me down in the room with them morning, noon and night, but I was far too independent for my own good. Good for you. So, well, uh, part of it says parents also feel, this is modern parents, the ones that are rearing right now, which is neither you nor me. Parents also feel that they show more love and affection to their children, 75% of them, um, and have more family activities with their children than their own parents did with them. Isn't that well, crushing it, it, for it, it, You could say that in some way, but it's an absolutely, that, that's a fantastic stat to have, that, you know, parents are more active and then doing more things with their children. But it's, it's, it's fantastic going to the park and going to the beach and doing all the fun, sunny, sunny things. But if you're not instilling and teaching them how to be decent, productive members of society, then you're still failing at your job. You can love them forever in a day, but you as a parent have a responsibility to ensure that when they go out and interact with the world, because, it's, you know, children are not responsible for themselves until they're 18 by law. So up until that point, it's your job as a parent to make sure that when they go and interact with the world, that they do so in a manner that is congruent with the social contract that we all have with each other. Okay, well put, though. But just on the final point, I'll tie in a text on this. You said sitting down and chatting and talking through 
um, you know, trying to explain to a five-year-old. Um, the person on air is basically advocating to beat children, which has been proved by studies to not work. Uh, why would we think hurting a child or putting the fear into a child would make that child grow into a stable person? I don't think you were suggesting beating the five-year-old, were you? I, those words never uttered. I know, but what are you suggesting? What are, what are that, you su- that you instill you a fear of consequences. Oh, that fear. There is, that every action has a reaction. That's, it's as simple as that. It's just that if I go out and I shoot somebody, the guards are going to arrest me, I'm going to go out in front of a judge, and I'm going to go to prison. Actions have consequences. If I throw, if I go into Bishop Lucy Park tomorrow and I pick up a scooter and I fire it at a, at a, at a 13-year-old, you know, in the same way we'll put the shoe on the other foot, the guards are going to arrest me, I'm going to be done for assault of a, assault of a minor, and I'm going to go to jail. That is that is action. Not if you're 14 years old or 15 years old or 16 if years old. If you're a 15, 14 or 15 year old person doing it to an adult, there are no consequences. There are no actions that can be taken. Or so it seems to be or so what I have no, that is told. That is that is true. I mean, you there, there can be a community guarder get involved in the case, but that's not fear, really. That's no, not that's it, not punishment. You know, it, it, it's like it's it's taking the macro or taking the macro and turning it into the micro. It's a juvenile. We all behave ourselves officer. for fear of going to prison. So in the micro, if you have a fear of the repercussions of antisocial behaviour, and again, you know, I mean that that is that is the go-to for all these modern parents. You're advocating the beating of children. I never said that. Those words did not. That's come out what of my the texter said. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and that you know, with all due respect, that texter, they're either not listening or they're hearing what they want to hear, which is not my problem. Let me hear from other people on this, if you don't mind. Are you good with that? By all means. All right, Dan, stay stay listening. Thank you so much. Do appreciate your call. Text 0868-104-106 on that one. And can I just finish before I go for break and one or two more calls? Um, Just some more text, actually. Uh, This is just another typical example of what they call antisocial behaviour in our city, which I hate because the city doesn't deserve it. That park is getting a bashing lately. Security needs to be put in there. It's crazy, says Jill. If you can't reprimand kids, find the parents. It might make them wake up and try and keep these little scuts in control brave little boy then wasn't he running away yeah that's captured on the video as well Uh, but I don't know how you're going to find the parents you're hardly going to get the scut to tell you the name of his parents and where they live drugs is what's happening in our city drugs normal people don't carry on like this Um, absolutely downright horrible humans today ashamed to say I'm Irish as Elizabeth well I'm not that's not my Johnny. He wouldn't do that. That's all you hear from the parents. I had my car window broken and when I went to the parents, I was told, couldn't be my boy. He was at home all night having cans with us. He was 14, so soon. There's another example of, in the case of a criminal act, the parent actively covering from the child. I'd feel safer in London than I would in Cork, and that's a fact, says Bernie. Um, I have friends actually who live in New York and say the very same thing. Parents are not rearing children like they used to. It's all different now. Teenagers aren't afraid of the law either. They know they'll get left off with everything because they're underage. And then you see some parents saying, God help us. They have nothing to do in the summer holidays. They use that as an excuse. There's lots more of that. I will come back to them tomorrow and I might drill into more of that research. That research was done by My Name Tags which is a company that makes iron-on name tags. And they did the research and they researched and interviewed, I guess, thousands of people. And they said that over half of modern parents set few or inconsistent rules for their children. 60% of the older generations adopted very strict style of parenting, which is not enforced today. Parents today say that they want to spend more quality time with their children than their parents did with them. And three quarters of modern parents feel they show more love 
and affection to their children than their own parents did to them. Is it true? Text 0868104106. The Neil Brenderville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 0818104106. How long more do we have to tolerate this kind of behaviour in the city? We are seriously considering moving out of the city because of scum like this. They feel like they're untouchable in town. Some tragedy must happen for them to be finally accountable, says Inga. And one final one. And the police are never held accountable. I was in town with my son one Saturday recently walking around the city for about four hours I didn't see a single guard parenting skills have plummeted also stiffer sentencing is needed across the board says Mac I think that's back to the point that I was mentioning earlier on with the change in parenting styles with regards to that research I mean it's astonishing they're saying that they're getting they're doing it better now they're having more quality time with their children that it's not about anymore teaching your children how to tie their shoelaces buying the ingredients for home economics helping them to mend damaged clothing it's all about spending quality time with their children um, and engaging in imaginative games and crafts Um, they also said that they felt uncomfortable with their own parents looking after their children Modern parents feel uncomfortable with their parents minding their own children. Why? They feel that they're too tough for them or what? I mean, there's a big intergenerational battle going on here. Um, And one wonders whether that's the reason that many might say we're going down the slippery slope. Actually, a couple of points on that. Let me talk to Eva O'Mahony, who's a celebrant. I'll talk about that in a second. Eva, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'll come to the story of you being a celebrant and marrying your son and daughter-in-law, because that must have been fantastic. You married your son. Fantastic. But what, what do you think of this generational thing? You've been through it. Your son just got married. <laughs> well, I was thinking, what did I do as a parent? Um, we kept them occupied. They were very involved in sport, in guides and scouts. They all had part-time jobs, probably from about the age of 16. And you know, there was a bit of a response. Well, obviously, once they had part-time jobs, they then had responsibility for their own money and things like that. But you they're, know, so but they're like saying... Responsibility for themselves. Okay. But they're saying now, the modern parents, would be the parents today rearing children. Say, a parent now listening to me that's got anybody under mm-hmm. the age of, say, 18. They're saying mm-hmm. they spend more quality time with their children than their parents did. Yeah, that they're more okay. open and honest with their children than their parents ever were, that their own parents were too strict and had too many rules growing up. Mm. Well, I, I personally felt when our children were children that we weren't there to be their friends. We were there to, to parent them. Now, now that our children are in their 30s, we have a fantastic relationship with all three of them. And we're now their friends, but not not when they were children. You know, we felt that there were certain certain things that they that we had to teach them, and they had to follow certain rules. No, it wasn't that we were overly overly strict. But to us, to us, for the smooth running of a family, we weren't their friends at the time. We friends, were you're not friends, your parents, because Dan says yeah. it's a lack of fear of consequences, and I'm not suggesting that he was saying that it should be corporal punishment or slapping or anything mm-hmm. like that but that was that was a very common reprisal from a parent back in the day you're aware of that oh well, of course it was of course it was because we sure that, that was true of lots of different areas of life at the time um, but for us again as I say it wasn't that we were slapping the kids anything like that we just felt 
that uh, there were times when we had to say no. I know. That was a big thing. There were times when we had to say no, no, you can't go go to your friend's house. No, you can't. So that's the fear of consequences because of something that you had to correct. Uh, and, well, like somebody then might sulk. There might be a slammed door or something like that. But actually, as a parent, that didn't bother me overly much. Okay, okay. All right, I you know? encourage other people to get in touch with me. Text 0868 Because one thing is certainly for sure. Back in the day, when parents were slapping their children, guards were slapping their children, Teachers were mm. slapping their children. Mm. Next door neighbours were slapping their children. So more yep. on that, if you don't mind, lads. What was it like as a celebrant marrying um, Dave and Brenda? Dave being your son. Yeah, was <laughs> amazing. So, firstly, firstly, I have to say this is not this is not a legal wedding. Dave and Brenda went to the to the registry office. They they uh, put in their intent to wed, and they have gone back to sign the register in the registry office with a registrar. I can't do that part. I can't do the legalities of the wedding as, yeah. a, as a celebrant. Yeah. But back in October, Dave came to me and said, hey, mommy, I was just looking at my garden and his garden has been a work of a few years. They bought an old house that had to be renovated and then the garden had to be tackled. He said, I think the garden is looking amazing and it'll be great for you know, a party or a celebration. And I said, oh yeah, it would because they because of COVID they hadn't had a housewarming party. Yeah. And he said, you're good at making lists. I said, I am. I'm very proud of my lists. <laughs> and then he said, and we'd like you to be the celebrant. I thought, oh, my Lord. Yeah. Oh, my. Are you just, just I've, I've, I've a crazy mind. Do, do you go to the shops with a list? Oh, I go everywhere with the list. So do you, you know when oh, you're walking in the door <laughs> military style, you're only buying what's on that list? Uh, well, I wouldn't be quite that strict with myself. I make lists for all sorts of things. All right. Okay. Okay, so he dropped the bomb. You're you're doing the ceremony. How did that go down? Oh, man. My first thought was, I hope I can do this without crying. I was just going to ask you, how do you keep it together? It is such an emotional... Being at at anybody's wedding is a very emotional thing. And then I said to myself, come on now, Eva, this is your chosen profession of now. (laughs) You just need to do this. This is what you do. (laughs) And I thought, yeah. Uh, so I met with them as I do with every other couple. I had a chat with them, with them about their romance and how they got to know each other and, you know, things like where they met first and first kiss and all of that. And I wrote a script as I do for everybody else. Your son um, told you about his first kiss. <laughs> well, you know what? I went up there and I thought I can either kind of beat around the bush or I can follow the template I use for every couple. And you did. Yeah. And I did. And you and you, you weaved that into your script then, was it? Yes, yes, yes. The script is based on, well, the script is based on their vision for their day. But you're probably seeing ceremony. this fella like, um, you know, you're probably still in your mind's eye seeing Dave in short pants with a runny nose and a cut <laughs> knee kind of thing. <laughs> so I had to slightly, I had to slightly separate myself from that. <laughs> and... No, when I'm when I'm doing wedding ceremonies, uh, quite often I'd mention the parents and say, you know, uh, parents the parents could see from some from glances and from un, unspoken promises that this couple were right for each other. So I had to I had to leave all that out because I thought I can't speak about myself in this ceremony. And there you go, I can't speak about the other the other three parents either. So, um, but yeah, I I put the story together and the centre of a celebrant's um, script is the love story of the couple 
and and their wishes and their dreams for their future together. And and I did it without crying. The only time my voice wobbled was the second sentence in my script was saying to my grandchild, you know, Cullum, well done as senior page boy for bringing the other three boys in. And as I said Cullum's name, I had a little wobble. I know. And I thought, stop it. You Just kept it together. I couldn't stop. do that. Well done. Just stop <laughs> Um, and the rest and of the backstory is that the weather was was atrocious um, mm, on the Saturday, well, was it? But on the Sunday, the, the it was weather, perfect. Absolutely. The weather on Saturday, they were putting up gazebos and putting out the tables and benches that Dave had made from pallets, um, <laughs> putting all these things into the garden in torrential rain. Torrential rain. And then on Sunday morning, we woke up to beautiful sunshine. Oh, my God. And... Dave works in the restaurant trade. The company provided the food. He has friends in the mm-hmm. wine, stra- wine trade. They sourced mm-hmm. the wine. Dave's dad well, Dave, did, the, yeah. did the wedding rings and a jazz That's band right. played in the back garden. And you That's officiated. Right. You were the celebrant. That's the first I for did. me, talking to somebody who married their own son. <laughs> not not married, well, you know. Not, not married, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, can't, I can't use that word. Celebrated their commitment well done. To, to one another. Celebrated their commitment to one another. And you kept it together. And and kept it together. It was a huge privilege. Let me just say that now before I disappear. <laughs> it was an incredible privilege to do that for my youngest child. It really was. Well done. I just, I'm in awe that you kept it together, <laughs> in fairness to you. Well done. Well done. Thank you very much. Thank All you the very best much. and congratulations to both Dave and Brenda. Take care. Thank you. Cheers, Bye-bye. Eva. Bye-bye. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. Lines will stay open, lads. Text 0868104106. Love to chat some more about parenting, the different parenting styles now, modern parent versus generations before, and the amount of, and it, it really does come across to me as criticism of parents of generations before, that current parents are very much criticizing the parenting of their parents, if you like. So text on that, text 0868104106. Email neil at redfm.ie. Pick up the phone for that and all of the business on 0818104106. And giving away the rest of our UCC campus tour passes now, where you will get a tour at UCC all over uh, the complex. And it apparently is a wonderful, wonderful day. I'm going to do it soon. So we've got three family passes to give away for that. Uh, pick up the phone on 0818104106. And we'll dig in again tomorrow in another deep dive at nine tomorrow morning. So have a good day. Enjoy the weather. Stay safe. Morning to everybody. Just want to let your listeners know that Cork, one of Cork's greatest entertainers, the late great Tony Hegarty, passed away peacefully in Marymount on Friday evening. Uh, a celebratory funeral takes place today at one in the North Cathedral, which will be broadcast live on the church's website. If Neil gets a chance to mention that, please do. That's from Gabrielle Hegarty on the passing of Tony Hegarty, the Cork comedian. Uh, yesterday. Uh, lines will stay open. Have a good day. See you tomorrow. For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcast.